York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Sliwa, 77 WABC. Subway himself, Curtis Sliwa. And I'm playing this song because Mayor Eric Adams used to illustrate the depths of the homelessness crisis in the city subway system earlier today. A woman identified as Jennifer Muller who's been wearing an assortment of ill-fitting clothing and mismatched boots as she lives right near the turnstiles at the Bedford Avenue station on the LL train in the Williamsburg hipster millennial section of Brooklyn. She speaks rapidly, clearly has severe emotional problems, won't answer most questions, claims to be related to Jay-Z from the nearby Marcy Avenue Projects, recently says she graduated from Columbia University and is in love with Madonna. Now, I've seen this woman at the Bedford Avenue station. Hipsters and millennials have passed her by. They're from Iowa, where there are more pigs than people. They're from Idaho, where there are more potatoes than people. And... She has basically become a subterranean dweller. For purposes of description, like so many people who are in the subways, a mole person. That's right, a mole person, because there's no other way to describe them. They're in the subway station almost all day. 472 stations that make up a vast subway system most of which uh, was built in 1940. I think there are about 26 lines. Now it's approaching about 3 million people a day who take the subways 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, 365-day-of-the-week service uh, from a high of about 5.5 million who were riding the trains before the lockdown and the pandemic hit in March of 2020. About 690 miles of tracks. And I would say, hmm, from what I've seen, about 30 abandoned stations and platforms out there in which are many homeless people who live. Uh, and the authorities rarely, if ever, go into these areas. That's the subway system of New York City. 
And it's something that Mayor Eric Adams finally addressed earlier today with uh, Governor Kathy Hochul. And remember, it's not Hochul, it's Hochul because she's full of nonsense. And the reason the governor was there is the subway system and our city bus service are parts of the MTA, the money-taking agency. They love to take your money and deliver no service. And they always threaten to raise the fare more and more and more. And in addition... The MTA is responsible for the Long Island Railroad, Metro North, uh, and so much property within our city and outlying areas. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's get a quick kickstart off here uh, with Izzy on the um, boards. And Camellia, right? Is uh, Do I have that right? Camellia is our phone screening. We always need to test out our phones first because, you know, in the past... Uh, we have all kinds of acts of sabotage, sabotage that have been waged against me ever since I returned, uh, having failed to be the mayor of the city of New York, five days after which the owner and operator of Red Apple Media, the parent company to our monster station, now the number one news talk station in the nation, again, WABC, with the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, uh, said five days afterwards uh, that he was giving me a 30-year no-cut contract, which would mean that if I uh, possibly live to the age of 96, make that 97, highly unlikely that I'd make it that far, uh, that I'd have a no-cut contract, and I could be running my mouth a mile a minute evermore. And then I noticed there were a number of measures taking place, probably by people who were envious, a bit jealous, a bit unsure of what my presence would mean. The Frank Moranos of the world wondering, wow, he's the weekend form of the other side of midnight. We got to do something to slow this guy down because uh, if he has his way, you'll be listening to Curtis Lee with 247365. We'll be always broadcasting Curtis. And that is my intent. I'll be completely honest about it. Uh, I would like a network in which every day all you hear is Curtis and you'll never hear the same uh, program twice. So they figured he doesn't have guests. Almost all the other shows have guests. He just talks to the listeners. So let's cut that umbilical cord between Curtis and the many listeners out there in the tri-state area and beyond, because we reach 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, and yes, uh, even uh, over in the Bermuda Triangle, where many a sailor, right before they went down to Davy Jones's locker, had remarked to their colleagues, hey, I just finished listening to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. This is a vast network, and it is incumbent on all of you to call. Because only about 1% of people who listen to talk radio, in survey after survey, even bother to call, uh, they want to leave it to all the regulars, same people, same uh, locations they call from, and in many instances, the same old, same old statements that they make. We want to open that up. We want to broaden it out. In fact, many of you have proven to be better than any guests, and I let you go on and on and on ad nauseum. Now, if you have little or nothing to say or you're just a carbon copy of uh, some other person who has been trying to sell me wolf tickets, I introduce you to Mr. Click. Those are the rules and regulations and the three main things that I demand of all callers. Camelia, make sure you enforce this because we got a bunch of gabons 
We got a bunch of Jadrules. We got a bunch of Pishers, Schmendricks out there. Who no matter how many times I recite the rules that should be in full effect in WABC, but the rest of the shows, they, they're slackers when it comes to this. They're deadbeats. Uh, they're, just, uh, they're just so grateful to have anybody to talk to that they don't want to pimp slap down the call. It's me. It's completely re- reversed. Uh, when you get on the line, don't ask me how I'm doing because I'm going to tell you straight up I've had better days. We know that. By now, you should know that. Uh, don't ever thank me for taking your call because I solicit the numbers and I solicit you to call me on a regular basis at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So why in good golly heaven would you be thanking me for taking your call since I've been soliciting all of you to give me a call? To throw me a lifeline because you are the umbilical cord for talk radio. Without you, I'll be talking to myself. And quite frankly, I do a pretty good job of that. Because long before I was involved in talk radio over 30 years ago, I would go into the park with my progressive breadcrumbs and I would feed the pigeons. I still do. And I would talk up a storm with them. Now they wouldn't answer me back, but it made me feel good. How many times I got stuck in my bathroom, the bacows, staring at the, the mirror. And talking to myself for my little minute, entertaining myself, sometimes as, laughing at my own corny jokes. Oh, yeah. Uh, something that some of you refuse to do, but I would always have a good belly laugh at my own expense. So now let's test out the technology. We have the Discronificator, which recycles all of the calls that are coming in on our AM monitor. AM stands for active minded. Then we have the Spectrometer which is lodged out at our FM station in the Hamptons, WLIR. Now, at times, it competes with our AM calls, even though they're on two different wavelengths. Any of you who grew up reading Popular Mechanics would know that. But still, they get sort of merged and converged in at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then there are all of you who, uh, quite frankly... Uh, what is it? You ask uh, Cynthia or Sally or whoever, you know, on your uh, your, your radio system uh, to sort of tune into Curtis. You talk to her and your wife immediately wakes up and thinks you have a gumada. And I understand what that's like. Okay. So there's some of you out there. Then there are those of you who listen on the stream. Uh, there are others of you who have the WABC app in which you can listen crystal clear from wherever you may be positioned around the globe. You have so many different ways to listen to this program. But you know something? If you don't call, there is no program. It's just me talking to myself, which I can do a very good job of doing. And under the new rules and regulations of Eric Adams, I might be considered disturbed, hitched to bots, with all the furniture upstairs rearranged in the wrong rooms and taken for a psychiatric observation, either at Bellevue, Jacoby up in the Bronx, Elmhurst in Queens, and maybe Kings County in Brooklyn, and definitely uh, Staten Island psychiatric uh, out on the Forgotten Island, what some people refer to as Satan Island, not I, uh, but many others. Staten Island, or better yet, Staten Italy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So earlier today, Eric Adams, very dapper, 
with his uh, Ferragamo shoes. I don't know how he afforded them on a Brooklyn Borough president's salary. Let's ask his chief of staff, Frank Carone, who bought the Ferragamos. And then that custom-made suit. He always has a different custom-made suit every day. Got to ask the chief of staff, hey, did you flip the coin to buy Eric Adams all those suits? Did you see him at the New York State Democratic Convention? He had the double-breasted number. I don't know if he got that from uh, A.J. Lester. I mean, that was a throwback. I haven't seen a suit like that in a month of Sundays. All I know is costs a lot of coin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And here was Eric Adams standing side by side with Kathy Hokum and other members of the MTA money-taking agency, the NYPD transit police, every conceivable governmental agency. There were like dozens and dozens of bureaucrats there. You needed a crane to get him in and out of the train station at Fulton Street. And here was Mayor Eric Adams talking about his crackdown. Uh, Nowhere across the globe can you move throughout this city in this manner by using public transportation. Hold on a second, is he? Nowhere around the globe? Did he say globe? Could I hear that again? Uh, Nowhere across the globe can you move throughout this city in this manner by using public transportation. The globe? Uh, Eric Adams, I know pretty soon you'll probably be wanting to go on these uh, uh, tours of other cities, supposedly, to learn. You'll be barnstorming other cities. There'll be nothing more uh, than you getting wine-dined in pocket line by a lot of other companies interested in doing business in the city, if, in fact, this city ever recovers. But... I got to listen to that one more time. I couldn't believe he made a global reference. Uh, Nowhere across the globe can you move throughout this city in this manner by using public transportation. Nowhere around the globe. Now, let's see. It was the 43rd anniversary of the Guardian Angels this past Sunday. We began patrolling the subways in New York City then. We patrolled the subways of London. It's a very vast system, very vast, as large as New York City. Uh, We patrol the Tokyo subway system, vast, large. That's part of the global system. Uh, I have visited the Soviet uh, Union subway system, a.k.a. the Russian subway system, the Moscow subway system, vast, much better run than the New York City system, with a museum on every station, and clean enough that you could eat off the platform. The Paris subway system, the Montreal subway system, the Toronto subway system, the Mexico City subway system, the Rio de Janeiro subway system, and I can go on and on and on, the Barcelona subway system. Can I hear that one more time, Izzy, please? please one more. Nowhere in the globe can you move throughout this city in this manner by using public transportation. Ah, well, maybe he just misspoke. I'll give him a little slack on that because he's not a world traveler. And I don't want to encourage him to start going on junkets because you know he'll want to do that. But these were some of the rules and regulations that he laid down. Let's, let's hear some of that. 
We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Swipe your Metro card, ride the system, get off at your destination. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> I heard something there. I can't believe I heard that. I mean, I mean, I've been riding the subway since I was five years old by myself. The LL train, the lousy line, Rockaway Parkway, Canarsie, last stop on that very L train that Eric Adams referred to at his press conference where he said he used to patrol it as a transit cop, which he was for 10 years. Can I, can I hear that cut again, please? And we enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues. Hold on, on the hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No more doing. Stop. No more doing barbecues. I've seen a lot of things in the subway. I have never seen anybody doing a barbecue, selling jerk pork, jerk chicken, barbecue. What the? I, I got to hear that again, please. Is he play the whole cut again? Hold on. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Swipe your Metro card, ride the system, get off at your destination. Uh, Swipe your Metro card, ride the system, get off at your destination. What about all those people who don't pay their fare? Who are fare evaders? Stand near any turnstile. It's the Irish sweepstake. They go over the turnstile, under the turnstile. They go through the gate, and then all of a sudden, there's this sound. <laughs> it's all over. What, like 470 stations? Almost all of them people are bogarting the fare. So are you going to enforce that? Of course not. Cops are not going to be stopping anybody. They're not going to be writing them up, script. They're not going to be giving them disappearance tickets, doing background checks. If you don't control the system at the turnstiles, you lose control of the system. And what are you going to do if you catch them smoking? You're not going to arrest them. You're not going to write them up. What about shooting up? They're shooting right up in the system. You're not going to arrest them. You're not going to write them up. Sleeping? Let's hope one day the subway system is safe enough again that a person on the subway could actually fall asleep without getting paranoid and thinking they got to wake themselves up every two seconds because they may get mugged or their throat may get slit. Oh, boy. (laughs) Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, there will be 30 teams, crack teams of healthcare experts, mental health care experts, <laughs> and school nurses. I laughed so hard when I heard that. School nurses have been uh, appropriated from the schools. And they're going to go out into the uh, subway system and deal with those who have mental health care needs. Have any of you dealt with a school nurse? Uh, Nowadays, they can't even give a St. Joseph aspirin out to the kids uh, without getting permission. uh, And it's got to be signed like three times by the parents or the guardians. 
When I was a kid, Nurse Ratchet could actually do triage in the nurse's office. She could extract teeth. She could basically do stitches. Uh, she could do butterflies. Remember, uh, ladies and gentlemen, does anybody remember what a butterfly was? When you didn't get a stitch, remember how they gave you a butterfly? Yeah, yeah, nurses. They could do full triage. Man, you walk into their office and they had like blood stained uh, garb on. You could see they had probably done operations right before you. Nowadays, they can't even issue a St. Joseph's baby aspirin without the permission of the parents or the guardians. But they're going to be out there in the subways. I feel so much better than Nurse Ratchet from PS114, PS115, Builder C Junior High School, where I went, is going to be out there on patrol with the transit police. And mental health care experts. Why? Why? You used to have the homeless outreach unit of the NYPD, the transit police. They were the best. And then when you took, you defunded the police by the tune of a billion dollars. You not only did away with the anti-crime, the plainclothes undercover unit that was so good, the 600 men and women so proficient at getting guns off the streets and tracking gangs. You disbanded the homeless outreach unit. These were men and women in the police department in uniform who knew the psychology of the emotionally disturbed, the homeless, who would go in and out of the shelters, who would go in and out of the homeless hotels, who would walk the streets, go into the parks, we'd go into the hovels, we'd go into the tunnels, we'd go into the subways, including the 30 subway stations that are abandoned in the system. And do any of you know any of those subway stations that are abandoned? Oh, yeah, I'm calling out to you subway buffs. You guys and gals who used to stand at the end of the platform and be watching the trains and writing down the numbers of the trains coming in, and you knew everything about the subway lines. You know, maybe you were a little autistic, maybe you had a little Asperger's syndrome, but you knew everything. You knew everything about the subway system, more than even I know about the subway system. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. A little later in the show, we're going to be talking about all the transgenders of late that Frank Morano has been interviewing. I, um, I'm a little worried about Frank. I think he's uh, going through a midlife crisis. Um, I don't want to say anything more than that, but I've been listening to his interviews and like back-to-back, belly-to-belly transgenders and his favorite Jeopardy a uh, competitor of all time, the transgender. I'm, I'm, I'm going to link all of those in. Then we got to talk about masks, no masks, no masks, no masks. The kids want to take their masks off, and Joyless Behar wants to wear a mask, a diaper, in, in perpetuity. And yet they caught her at a restaurant, no diaper on her face. I don't know if she wears the pens. I know all about Joyless Behar. She used to work at WABC. I'll get into all of that. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Canadian convoy, folks. Uh, we expect you Canadians, oh, Canada, that's right, A, A, you host heads uh, to give us an update because we're, we're heard almost all throughout Canada, even up to Hudson Bay. Hudson Bay, where you freeze your tuchus off. 1-800-848-9222. In fact, let's immediately go to the phones. It's Gary who's calling from New Jersey. What part of New Jersey are you calling from, Gary? Okay. Hello, Curtis. Uh, can you talk into the phone? You seem like you're talking on a speakerphone. I'm sorry, man. I'm, 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 I'm talking on the, uh, wow, can't believe I'm talking to the legend. A legend in my own mind, I might add. 
you are the legend, man. I'm, I can't believe I'm in there. You're, you're, way, you're, you're in there. You earned your way in. In fact, this is like roller derby. You were out there, and you were bumping your way right to the head of the pack. Thank you. Thank you very much, my sir. I'm, I'm a, wait, 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 sir. What, what, what are you thanking me for, Gary? Well, uh, I ain't thanking you for taking my call. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you thanking me for, then? I haven't done anything for you. <laughs> I'm just. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't know who you are, Gary. Do I? Did I ever talk to you before? Do I know who you are, no, Gary? Never. No, never, man. So why uh, would I you be? So say, why would you be thanking me for taking your call? Well, let, listen to me. Let, hear me out. I, I grew up in Northeast Philly, and the first time I saw you was in nineteen, probably like early nineteen eighties, on the Frankfurt L. Yeah. With the. Uh, Guardian Angels showing up in Philly. I couldn't believe That's it. That's right. Yeah, Philadelphia, and I got to tell you, Kensington and Somerset, Frankfurt line above Kensington and Somerset, the worst Amen. dope fiend area in America. People shooting up, pill heads, zombies, uh, the whole nine yards. Okay, now I'm going to give you some slack. Go ahead, Gary. You said it. You said it, brother. And um, I, I was just thinking, in Philadelphia, had the uh, Frankfurt market line. And the Broad Street Line, two subway systems in Philly, and you're talking about New York. Million, uh, it's like ten times more subway lines. Oh yeah, twenty twenty six lines in total. Yours was a shorty short subway line there in Philly, very shorty short. Amen. But then again, you had a lot of problems there too. Yeah, and the crime now in Philly. I'm I'm living in the. Union Beach, New Jersey. Now I, I, I left there a long time ago, but the uh, crime—I I can't believe it. The, the crime and the killings are there are yeah, way yeah, over. Yeah, New yeah. York. Let me ask you a question, Gary. Uh, uh, what do you mean you can't believe it? Your police commissioner, her last name is Outlaw. What kind of a police department would hire somebody named Outlaw to be their police commissioner? I'm, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's common like, sense. Outlaw Krasner and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, he, and he, 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 Gary, Gary, Gary's having a difficult time there. You know, he's all he's all excited. He's talking to me. What is he excited about? I'd much rather talk to myself than Gary. To be honest with you, he's all excited. He's all for toots. Ooh, 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 ooh. You figure he praises me. He 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 he, he chews my my BVDs and my fruit of the loom, and he pulls he pulls my chain, right? And figure he's gonna. Meantime, he ends up saying nothing at the end of that. Hey, he had me going when he mentioned Philly, Frankfurt line. That I mentioned Somerset, Kensington, Dope Fiend Hell, and then he he couldn't get to his point. He was like stumbling and fumbling. I don't like that, ladies and gentlemen. I really don't. You know, uh, uh, please, don't stroke me. Don't stroke. You stroke Dominic. He was just on. You stroked him. Before that, Rita and, oh, the Mameluke, the Mongolooch, uh, uh, the Mashad, Frank Morano. He loves that. Oh, Frank, I love you. I love you. I, I don't want you to love me. I want you to talk and talk and talk and have something to say. Now, with a guy named Hannibal... I mean, we got a problem right here in Union City. Uh, is this your real name, Hannibal? That's my real name, Curtis. 
Now, were you on those big? Were you in those big elephants years ago? Can you trace your DNA to Hannibal on the elephants coming in from North Africa we were, through the we Alps? Were ones, we were the ones that invaded Rome, brought war elephants to Rome, and did our thing over there. There's no doubt about it, and left behind some huge elephant chips that it took like <laughs> ten Roman centurions to sweep away. They got paid in salt. The salaries. That's true. That's true. So how did, uh, first off, before you give me your opinion, how did you end up with the name Hannibal out of all the names in the world that you could have been uh, birthed with or chosen? Why Hannibal? The name Hannibal, well, my name is Aníbal in Spanish, but in English it's Hannibal because the H is silent. You know that, Curtis. No, actually I didn't. You're educating me here. Yeah, so it's silent. Uh, so it started off Hannibal, and then it went into Aníbal. So in Spanish, it's Aníbal, but the English version is Hannibal. So instead of having people call me Annabelle, any balls, I tell them, listen, call me Hannibal, and the conversation is over right there. Oh, for sure. For sure. And by the way, uh, what country of origin were your parents from? The Dominican Republic. Oh, DR, DR. Okay, you're DR. in that. You're in the house, DR. Hannibal. DR. And you live in Union. Hannibal. You live in Union City now. New Jersey, yes. Yeah, you, City, New Jersey. You're surrounded by Cubans. You're surrounded by Cubans, uh, Hannibal. You better go hush, hush, mush, mush. You're Cubans everywhere. Hey, Curtis, have you ever pitched your ideas on homelessness to Eric Adams? I mean, your ideas. Get the bill. They, yeah. they would work. Yeah, I was on, on? I, I was on New York One about a month ago, and uh, they were interviewing me, and they say, "Wow, you know a lot about homelessness. You know a lot of, a lot about the emotionally disturbed. The emotionally disturbed persons, many of them seem to know you. They mention you often. Uh, have you offered your services to the new mayor?" I said, "Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not asking for any money." Uh, I can certainly lead whatever agencies he has assembled and show them where the people are living and the conditions they live in uh, and assist uh, them in trying to get them uh, uh, themselves some help. Uh, but so far, I'm waiting for a return call, Hannibal. How long do you think I'll be waiting? I don't know. I think he's still hating on you. And New York lost big time by not having you as their leader. And you should be pitching those ideas to uh, Ross Baraka in Newark, too. You, you, you ever go to Newark Penn Station? It's horrible. Oh, yeah. Newark Penn Station. Uh, I mean, you compare it to uh, New York City's Penn Station, and although it's smaller, it's not as extensive. It's got the same problems. I'll tell you straight up. You go in the men's room in Penn Station in Newark. You go in the men's room in Penn Station in New York City. Uh, you got uh, queer eyes on the back of straight guys when you go in there. <laughs> it's not good. It's not. It's horrible. Newark is horrible. I mean, Irvington, East Orange. I mean, you could go on and on, right? Oh, absolutely. And when it gets real cold outside, just like in New York City, uh, the homeless, the emotionally disturbed, uh, people trying to run all kinds of games, uh, they go and they bore in the Penn Station in Newark because it's right downtown and the uh, market in Broad. All the buses run downtown, and so they'll walk over to Penn Station, and they run all kinds of con games. you got pickpockets, you got jostlers, 
You got people trying to scam you out of things. You know, you're going yeah. to you're going to catch a train or even the bus. The Greyhound uh, stops there. You know, you want to pound the hound. And they try to sell you tickets. And then you use the tickets, Hannibal, and they say, yo, man, these are fake tickets. These are for gazy tickets. And the guy's like stuck in the middle of nowhere in Newark. Exactly. My cousin's been there. He's bought them tickets. Yep, yep. I know all about Newark. How come the man never returned my call? Who knows more about emotionally disturbed persons? I mean, in many ways, I am emotionally disturbed myself. That's why I get along so well with them. I can understand them. And homelessness? I mean, how many times have I been kicked to the curb? How many times have I shown up? Oh, the locks have been changed. I've been kicked to the curb. No, 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 no. I got a lot in common with these folks. And yet, I made that offer on New York One with uh, Pat. Hmm, how come I'm forgetting Pat's name? Oh, who am I referring to? The host in the morning on New York One, Pat, not Sajak. No, 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 not Pat Sajak of Wheel of Fortune. Uh, but Pat, he's from Canada originally. He, in fact, had a program here on WABC when I first came back many, many years ago. Uh, it was during drive time, 5 to 6. And he uh, co-hosted it with Rita Cosby. Yeah, ooh, that's going back a bit. Uh, who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? I've, I've gone blank on him. I haven't taken my ginkgo. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. my sweet spot when we talk about the emotionally disturbed and the homeless in the subways the streets the parks penn station grand central station or the port authority i know so many of them and the mayor earlier today uh with kathy hokum which means nonsense standing uh, by him was talking about a woman that I've seen over and over again at the Bedford Avenue station in Williamsburg on the L train, L Falousy line, although it runs a hell of a lot better than when I was a kid because they call it the Hipster and the Millennial Express. Uh, but this woman, Jennifer Muller, she lives there. She's there 24 7, 365. Man, the mayor's never been there. He, he doesn't know this woman. Uh, some member of his staff, some hipster and millennial, say, oh, yeah, you got to check out this white woman there. She's there all the time. And he swore that he would have her removed and he would get her the help that she needs. You know, she'll tell you she's had three kids. Can't seem to remember the name of the kids. She's all over that station. She's probably slept in every square inch. She mumbles, she stumbles, she has all kinds of mental ailments. 
And the mayor has dedicated uh, his now relief of the subway system of the emotionally disturbed and the homeless to Jennifer Muller. You think he's going to go down and try to find Jennifer Muller at the uh, Bedford Avenue station on the L train? I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it. Yo, Mayor, all you had to do is ask me. I could have taken you on the Underbelly Tour, the Curtis Lee Underbelly Tour. Showed you everything. But then again, this guy, Eric Adams, uh, he's pretentious. He's uh, obstinate. Thinks he knows everything. Let's go back to the phones, though. It's LQ calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, LQ. Uh, yes, uh, Curtis. Um, and with all but to me, uh, the polit- politicians in, for a long time, it's just like the lights just came off, came open. A long time, as you already know, that this stuff didn't happen even before the uh COVID pandemic, and it's like this. Everything is like a. All of a sudden, the lights just came on, and, and like a, a Kamini Ward movie star, they're acting like this just started happen, happening, and it's been going on for a long time. And all I could say is that, uh, with the tent, with the schools, uh, the school uh, t- uh, nurses coming in the subway and the tents outside, you could see that they. All these people are getting, they're getting paid, you know, paid for that for both. And all I know is that God's blessing is he keeps on pouring blessings and it's far more than the sweetheart deals that these present politicians are giving for for cash. And oh, for no, no doubt, LQ, but school nurses. Oh, brother. I wonder where Eric pulled that that rabbit out of the hat. He's going to get school nurses uh, to ride the subways in the company of police and mental health care experts to uh, take care of the emotionally disturbed and homeless. (laughs) Let's go to Andy calling from Richmond Hill, home of Phil Rizzuto. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Andy. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, I'm just calling because... It's, not, it's crazy out here, man. The crime is wild. Literally two blocks away from the 106 precinct in the morning, somebody got put, they got you know they got robbed in their house. So I, I just want you know I, I just don't understand the nonsense, the the policies that the city council, and then Eric Adam is a buffoon, Hokum, she's another fool, dumb and dumber right there. So I don't know what's going on, man. I don't see. The future that I thought I would see in this place. Well, I'll tell you what, Andy. There was uh, a perfect situation that emerged about a week ago uh, to show you the ever-changing moods of Eric Adams. He's like manic depressive. It depends on what day it is and how he's dressed, Andy. But uh, he, he heard that a drill rapper had been killed in a drive-by in Bed-Stuy. And so he was curious what drill rap is. Now, I don't expect him to have the street smarts that I have. I'm 67. He's about 60. Uh, But his son uh, hipped him to what drill rap was. And then all of a sudden he said he wanted to ban drill rap. No, you couldn't get drill rap anywhere. This is America. This is the land of freedom. You can't ban things. Then he invited all the drill rappers to City Hall. And he said, man, I feel so cool now with all these drill rappers. 
Now, Andy, he's planning to to be featured in one of these drill rappers' upcoming raps. Yeah, I, I mean, guess he's gonna have. A, I guess he's gonna be dressed up in the in, in the nines with his suits, while everybody <laughs> else is. I, I mean, he goes from wanting a band drill rap, not knowing anything about it, to suddenly feeling he's cool with the drill rappers. He invites them to city hall, and now he's gonna be featured in an upcoming drill rapper song. This is all within the course of one week. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Off the hook. By the way, Andy, uh, where did you grow up? I, I grew up right here in Richmond Hill, born and raised here. And what high school did you go to? Jamaica High School. Oh, Jamaica on the Hill. Yeah. Oh, that means when time to get out of school, you had to work past the guys uh, from Edison, Hillcrest, Feet don't fail me now. Did you have to ever make your way down to the uh, bus station there on Jamaica Avenue? Yeah, the bus, the bus, the bus terminal. Yeah. Oh man! And and what happened when all of a sudden guys from Hillcrest and Edison were I fornicating you and mad dogging you? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got everybody. Everybody was throwing hands at times. That's right. Yeah, you had to travel with your posse from Jamaica High School while they were with their posse. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I and the Guardian Angels were called down there because school had let out just about the same time. Edison High School, uh, that's uh, vocational high school, Hillcrest, uh, regular neighborhood high school, and then obviously Jamaica on the Hill. And then all of them would mix at that bus station. I mean, that would be like mixing ammonia and bleach. Ammonia and bleach. And how old are you now, Andy? Me, I'm 35. 35. I'm so called millennial. Uh, right, and you listen to WABC, right? Yes. And you listen to Curtis Sliwa. Oh, always, always. Because I'm on... Frank Morano, it's only Curtis Sliwa. Oh, wait, you don't listen to Frank Morano? No, I do. Do not. Well, you know do why? Not. He sounds like an old man, doesn't he? He probably... <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. If I was to say to him, drill rap, he would think, is that something that a dentist uses on you when all of a sudden you have a toothache? Yeah, I guess that's what he would be thinking. No, no, no. I got to, I really, I got to take uh, Frank Morano on my underbelly tour of New York City. And I, I just got to, I got to get him to be a little younger. You know, he's like, he likes Rudy Valley, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? He he likes Al Josen, Eddie Cantor. He just, I don't know what it is. He's the youngest old man I've ever met in my life, Andy. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you listening. Keep listening and spread the word, Andy. Absolutely. That's right, Richmond Hill, home of Phil Rizzuto. Yeah, that's where Phil Rizzuto went. Big, big Sikh community out there now. They got their temples. Don't mess with the Sikhs. Uh, <laughs> they're all named Singh. Uh, interesting story as I digress. So a lot of the uh, a lot of the Sikhs are cab drivers. They drive yellow cabs, and you have to go in and take the TLC test. There's a written test and there's a driving test. So the Sikhs figure we'll take the smartest Sikh, since they're all their last name is all Singh, and we'll send this guy in to take everybody's test. And for a while, it worked. So all these guys got TLC licenses. You would think the inspectors would say. Hey, this is the same thing. And watch out, man. They got those Gurkha knives and their wraps. And these are tough guys. Oh, Sikhs. They don't take no yin-yang. 
Anyway, let's go to uh, Helena, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Helena? Hi there, Curtis. I've spoken to you before. Um, maybe I've mentioned something, but every time Eric Adams, who I know is your favorite mayor, uh, speaks, I hear shades of uh, Louis Farrakhan coming through. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, now, in the early 90s. Now, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to finish. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday morning, the Rev and the Rabbi, to hear them discuss some of the things that he has said recently. Oh, yeah, but see, Rabbi, Rabbi Joe Potashnik. Especially, especially the words of Reverend uh, Bernard. Yeah, no, but uh, both of them, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Potashnik and Reverend Bernard, they love Eric Adams. He could do no wrong. They never criticize him. You know, he's like, he's their favorite mayor of all time. In fact, at times when I'm listening to them, 7 or 8 in the morning before John Katz and Matitis' roundtable discussion begins, I mean, they mention Eric Adams, and it's sort of like, oh, my God, what is this, the little baby Jesus in the manger? I mean, they're like, they get goofy over him. Anyway, let's go to uh, the phones, uh, to Pam, who's calling from Orange County in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Oh, hi there. Uh, I just listen to ABC all the time, but I can't take Morano. Um, now, now, now hold on a second. Where in Orange County are you calling from, Pam? Near Monroe. Oh, okay, Monroe. And were you originally from that area or from the city? No, I'm uh, born up here. Okay, so you're born up there. So you you don't have the required taste uh, of liking Frank Morano uh, during the week uh, on the other side of midnight. Correct, but I can't. I don't understand how he got the most popular because he's so boring. I will tell you how that happened, Pam. Uh, it actually came about. He was doing very well. I have to give credit where credit was due. He was doing very well, and then all of a sudden, I came back, lost the election, and uh, John Katzmanides asked me to do. Uh, the other side of midnight on Saturday mornings, as I'm doing now from 1 to 6, and then Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. And in the addition of my hours, he skyrocketed, Pam, but he won't give me any of the credit. I'm one-third of the ratings point, and he refuses to acknowledge it. Hey, wow, thank you, Curtis. That really boosted up my rating. But you created a monster. I mean, I, I don't believe the, that he won the Mar- Marconi or whatever it is. Or It can't be true. Well, you are right. I did create a Frankenstein, and this is the problem. Uh, when you when you create a Frankenstein, it's your job, Dr. Frankenstein, to destroy Frankenstein, right? Yeah, I hope down the road that happens because I like to listen at night, and I can. He's horrible. Yeah, but Pam, he's been nominated for a Marconi Award. That is the most prestigious award in all of radio broadcasting. Who, who, who is voting for him? I mean, does it – I mean oh. – Well, I think there's a little prejudice here. Marconi being Italian, Frank Morano being Italian, being from Staten, Italy. You understand? You're Italian. How about you? Yeah, but he's full Italian. I'm just, uh, I'm a mutt. I'm part Italian. Oh. Yeah, you see? You see, look, there's always ethnic politics when these votes are made. You understand? Now, if these were the Tesla Awards, 
because there's always been the argument that the Serbian Tesla actually invented radio, not Marconi. I would have had a much better chance because part of me is Slav. I'm Polish and he's Serbian. But you see, the deck is stacked. They're always going to prefer Italians. And that's why Frank Morano has been nominated for the very prestigious Marconi Award. Well, I also wanted to mention that I met you with um, Mark Levin and Hannity down at Palisades, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. That's right, at the mall, the Palisades Mall. Right, right. I hated that mall. I, 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 yeah, I the parking in that mall. Have you, you get lost in, you yeah. get lost in the parking in that mall. Mm-hmm. And you know whose favorite mall that is? No, Dominic Carter. Dominic Carter. He he lives nearby in Rockland County, uh, right. Pomona. He loves to bring his son there and sit in the food court. Mm-hmm. That shows you. What a miserable life Dominic Carter has that you can see him and his son sitting in the food court at the Palisades Mall on any given Saturday. And he's just eating their food and looking at the people as they pass by. I feel for Dominic Carter, don't you, Pam? I guess maybe it's relaxation for him. Yeah, could be. Could could very well be. But I will tell you this. Both I and Dominic uh, at nights wonder, how the hell did Frank get a nomination for the most prestigious of all radio awards, the Marconi Award? Unbelievable. Uh, let's go to Gary uh, from Inwood. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Gary. Good morning, Curtis. As far as that New York newscaster on New York One, the gentleman named Pat, that's right, Pat. I in the be- morning, what is his yeah, last I, name? I believe the last name is Kavanaugh. No, you couldn't no, be more hopelessly wrong. Well, it had to happen sooner or later. Uh, it- listen, part two before you leave me. As far as last week with the uh, corrections on your wife, with the repeating the same phrase, that same phrase all the time with the you know. Yes. Rita Cosby, her continuation of the same word continuously over the two-hour period is. It's outrageous. Repeatedly. I, I, I think I know what the origin for both Nancy and Rita Cosby is. They're both blondies. I think it's the peroxide. I think it goes further than that. I really think so, uh, Gary. I think, you know, just the fumes from the peroxide, you know, you're constantly bathing your, your, your hair in peroxide to get it as blonde as it could possibly be, almost to the point where it's it's like it shines in the dark. That takes its effect, Gary. You got to understand, we don't go through that. Guys don't go through that. Women, uh, they're peroxide queens. Yeah, I find it mentally painful to listen to. Yeah, I know, but uh, I'm, I'm taking that up with uh, my wife, Nancy. Remember, she, uh, she is the co-host of the most uh, listened to and requested of the many hours that I do on the weekends, I do about uh, 22 hours on the weekends. And that is from 12 midnight to 1 in the morning as we go Sunday into Monday. And then I have to turn over the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to that uh, Mama Luke, that Mangalooch, that Mashad, Frank Morano. Let's go to Danny in Valley Stream. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Good morning, Curtis. How are you? Oh, Marano, you see... Uh, not a very good listener. I'm not doing very good. I've had better days. 
Catch. I really have to get a commitment from our owner-operator, John Catch Matitis of Red Apple Media, for us to lease or rent out one of those old uh, Borscht Belt hotels no longer in existence, Concord, Kutchner's, uh, Browns, Grossinger's, uh, to have a re-education camp for uh, for our callers. Uh, Danny, if you ask me how am I doing, you know what I'm going to say. I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, Kabish. Kabish. And your point, Danny. Yeah, when did you graduate Jamaica High? Uh, I didn't go to Jamaica High. So what did you say you did for? What do you mean? I was talking to the other guy. He... Oh, you were talking to the other guy. Oh, I think you said you were there. I, I'm no, 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 no. I was uh, down at the bus terminal on Jamaica Avenue with the Guardian Avenue, Angels, yeah. breaking up fights with the guys who will be getting out of school at 3 o'clock yeah, from yeah. Jamaica High School on the hill and rumbling with Edison right. High School and Hillcrest High School. Yeah. You know they called Jamaica High School up. Nah, now, you know who did go to Jamaica High School? Who was that? Remember a man named Savage used to broadcast in the afternoons on WABC. Michael Savage. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember. I know what you're talking about. Although at, his real name was Michael Weiner, and so he figured that was not, you know, macho enough. So his uh, his show name became Michael Savage. Went to Jamaica High School, actually talked quite a bit about it when he did his radio here on WABC. Went on to Queens College uh, and then went out to Tahiti or Fiji. I was swimming in lagoons. Uh, I forget the rest of that story. But, man, what a curmudgeon he was. Michael Savage. Now, who would have thought that the guy went to Jamaica High School on the hill? By the way, they had an excellent orchestra, great musical program. A lot of the men and women who went to Jamaica High School on the Hill said that they learned a lot about classical music, uh, jazz music. They would let you take the instruments home. You know, this is when the public schools had great musical programs, which many of them no longer have. And they'd let you, they'd lend you the instruments for the year. And you would take, like, the oboe home. you take the horns home. you take the violins home. You, know, you would take all the brass or string instruments home. That's actually when the public schools were better than the parochial schools because they didn't do that. Public schools, oh, they had all different kinds of special uh, programs. They had advanced classes in the 60s and early 70s. They were even better than the parochial schools. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
So what happened on the L train the other day? Yeah, the breakdancing crew, they take over the whole subway car. They almost knock your head off, intimidate your mad dog, and you better put a dollar in their cap or else. So apparently a homeless guy stabbed the breakdancer. And everybody's talking about the homeless guy stabbing the breakdancer, and I get it. That's not right. But have you ever been on the train when, like, six or eight of them, they block every door, they go up and down the car, they hang from the top, they swing, they do a pole dance, they nearly knock your head off, and then they always try to flip their cap on their head, and they miss it, like, half the time. And you're supposed to give them a dollar, a gratuity, and then if you don't give them anything, they're, like, looking at you like, yo, you may not get off this car. It can be very intimidating. Man, I didn't mention anything about that. No, 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 no. Not those breakdance crews. Didn't mention anything about that. Mentioned the homeless guy who supposedly stabbed one of them. Well, how many how many fights have those uh, breakdance crews uh, gotten into in which they start a rumble on the train because they knock into somebody? How about taking them off the train? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the press conference earlier today by Eric Adams, all dappered up, GQ down in his Ferragamos and his customized suit. Next, uh, Kathy Hokum. That's the governor's name because uh, Hokum means nonsense. And he said something to me that was a bit bizarre. I mean, I've seen a lot of things in the subways in 43 years. Even beyond that, I've been riding the subways. For 62 years of my 67 years since I was five by myself on what was the LL line, Lousy line from Rockaway Parkway in Canarsie, the last stop. Listen to what he had to say. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Swipe your Metro card. Ride the system, get off at your destination. I've seen a lot of things in the subway. I've seen fornication and copulation. I have never seen barbecue. What did he call that? Barbecues, barbecues, whatever. That I haven't seen. I don't know what he's talking about. But maybe out there, ladies and gentlemen, some one of you riding that vast system, which, as you know, is one of the largest in the world with 472 stations, 26 lines. Now it's starting to creep up 3 million passengers a day from a high of 5.5 million before the lockdown and pandemic of 2020. 690 track miles. And what the mayor didn't even touch on, the 30 abandoned stations and platforms that I know a lot of these homeless and emotionally disturbed persons live on. But a barbecue? I. Well, let's go to Benjamin in Australia because they love their barbecues. Nobody knows barbecues better than the Aussies in the land down under. Welcome to the Curtis Lee Show, Benjamin. Yeah. Hi, Curtis. Yeah, it, wouldn't it be fantastic if he got some shrimps, which I'm told are like prawns, and the government paid for that, their $2 trillion from Kamala, 
and just everyone could have a barbecue from the homeless people on trains there. Wouldn't that be lovely? Oh, absolutely. A little treat. A few shrimps on the grill. I mean, Benjamin, I know that a barbecue is traditional to all Aussies. They work three days a week, prepare for their barbecue on Friday, and then don't return to work until Tuesday because they're drinking their fall staff. But you have you have subway systems in S- Sydney and Melbourne. Have you ever seen anybody have a barbecue on the subway systems there? We have a very boring country. That's why we don't produce any good rappers. But I was thinking with $2 trillion from the government, you could give all those crazy people on drugs like a, an EP, you know, and print out their own, like, album title and everything, and they could all just hand them out with the shrimp on the day. <laughs> And, you know, especially we have the below-ground subway, but we also have the above-ground subway. We call them the L's. You could set up a barbecue pit uh, on the platforms of the L's. That would attract quite a few folks. Let me tell you something. Barbecue on the subway. (laughs) It's funny. It is. Uh, I got to tell you, Benjamin, uh, New York City, we have a mayor who is like manic depressive from one minute to the next. He's all over the place. He claims he's going to clean up the subway, but he's not going to arrest anybody. He's going to convince them, meaning not him, but his agencies will convince the emotionally disturbed persons and the homeless people to leave. Uh, But nobody will get a ticket. Nobody will be arrested. That would pretty much be a miracle. Well, just have an amnesty day. Everyone gets to hand out, like print them out their EP cover, and they can all hand out an EP and be a rapper. They give them some wrapping paper to wrap up the shrimp with. Give everyone that. Have the amnesty, and then just tell everyone to get a job because they're not that dumb, you know. No. Now, now Benjamin, uh, people here think that uh, shrimp are big when they go to Red Lobster on a Friday night. They love the shrimp there. Could you describe for our listeners how big the shrimp are in Australia? Uh, okay, like they say they have big shrimps in Texas, but the shrimps in Australia are like 20 times the size in Texas. They are. In fact, if you look at a shrimp in Australia, which I've had, uh, they are the size of your whole hand. Yeah. So I don't know if a rapper needs a shrimp that big, um, but yeah, I think with $2 trillion from the government there, you know, that they just spent, they should be able to pay for some shrimps and, you know, just some fake albums for all the rappers to hand out. Well, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to suggest uh, that you become an agent of the city, Benjamin, and that you become an advisor, a consigliere to uh, Mayor Adams about barbecuing in the subway. Well, I'm, I'm going to send in to you personally because you said you were going to send me out some coffee. So I'm going to give you some um, Australian stamps in exchange for that, like a barter system. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do that. He, he, I don't know about that guy. You know, I heard he got elected on like 100,000 votes. It, it looks very strange to me. Well... Uh, unfortunately, only one out of every five registered voters decided to even bother to vote. Although, if you listen to everybody who calls here, I would have won in a landslide. Every, oh, I voted for you. I voted for you. I tell everybody in the streets, in the subways, wherever I am, if that were the case, I'd be mayor today. You know, everybody loves to tell me they voted for me, but most people, Benjamin, didn't even bother to vote. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot you ran. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to be a campaign manager. How often do you have an election there, like, for mayor? Uh, four years. So uh, Eric Adams will be up for re-election in four years. So I tell you what, Benjamin, uh, I might consider that, especially since I lost this time. I mean, how, how could I go wrong with a guy from the land down under with uh, barbecues that put the shrimp on the griddle that are the size of my hands. I think Benjamin should become the advisor to Eric Adams about barbecues in the subway. In fact, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm still trying to find out from any of you, and I know many of you, even if you don't live in the city any longer, you've ridden the subways. Have you ever seen a barbecue in the subway? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Could you play me that cut again, Izzy? Because I don't want to misquote the mayor, but it's his words that he's going to stop barbecuing in the subway. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Swipe your Metro card, ride the system, get off at your destination. Now, maybe the mayor's a little confused when they're torching up and beaming themselves up to Scotty in those glass pipes, the rocks of cocaine. Maybe he thinks that's a barbecue or when they're smoking meth. I, I don't know. What we... We have a very diverse listenership. We have a lot of men and women who listen to us and young adults uh, who have ridden in the subways. If they haven't ridden in a while, anybody, just anybody. I, I just want to find one person who knows Eric Adams is talking about barbecues in the subway. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jesse in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Jess. Baby, and I seen a barbecue on a subway train. They had the barbecue laid out right on the seat. They didn't spark it up yet, but they were getting it all prepared, and they were to have a barbecue on one of the trains. Yeah, but you see, I can't believe you, Steve, because you're Steve from Manhattan and not Jesse from Westchester. But he did get Pat Kiernan. Yes, the answer to the trivia question was Pat Kiernan, the uh, man from O Canada. Uh, and uh, Canadians, feel free to call. Many of you call on a regular basis from Halifax over to British Columbia. The uh, warm Chinook winds that come in from Winnipeg to Saskatchewan to Regina into Alberta into Edmonton and Calgary. Feel free to call and let us know what's happened to the Freedom Convoy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dan, the man in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Dan. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, Dan. Uh, Eric Adams, he should be evaluated at Bellevue. He's styling and profiling. <laughs> oh, I like, you like that, styling and profiling, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at it. You look at the old pictures. When he was running for mayor and he was the Brooklyn Borough president, he'd show up. He, he always dressed well. He'd have the uh, windbreaker on that said Brooklyn Borough president Eric Adams. Or he'd have on a suit off the rack, you know, uh, right. uh, uh, men's wholesale outlet kind of suit. You know, a decent suit. And then all of a sudden he got elected mayor. He had a double-breasted suit on at the Democratic State Convention the other day at the Sheraton. I haven't seen a suit like that 
since they made, you know, uh, movies about the 1880s. Fair gumbo, she was five hundred dollars. I mean, how does a Brooklyn Borough president get that kind of? I mean, what the? I well, mean, you understand, he receives tribute gifts, uh, and right. he's got a chief of staff, Frank Caron, who's from Canarsie. I know all the boys from Canarsie. You got to oh, understand, yeah. when I grew up in Canarsie, there were three uh, groups of organized crime on Avenue L. On one side, there were the Lucases; the other side, the Gambinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on 92nd and Conklin, there was the Thomas Jefferson uh, Democratic Club uh, headed by uh, Meet Esposito who went to jail as a crook. And <laughs> everyone who came through there was a crook. Uh, and the Corones, exactly. they crooks. So you understand? It's sort of like it's the way it's the way they do business. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, it's OK. It's all right. I'm educating. Uh, let's go to Chris in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Wow. Born and raised in Greenwich Village. I, you saved me in the 70s, taking the subway to school and everything. Listen, I saw a barbecue on the subway. I stopped taking it because the barbecue didn't scare me. It was the maniacs banging the subway walls and breaking the trains, and I can't take it anymore. Uh, it's too scary, so I take the bus, which... You know, is a nightmare because it takes so long on a bus. But the barbecue was very interesting. Everyone kind of had a, a tickle in their eye. It was an older Jamaican-like guy, and and he was barbecuing in our subway. Mm. So it had to and be. It wasn't smoky, and it was kind of like it's not saute, but little skinny chicken things and. I was a little worried about propane on the subway car. Wow, wow. Um, you see, you see but, now, you but know it what? It was actually, it wasn't threatening. I actually, and he looked proud, and, and I thought he was, like, going to sell it, and I would have bought one, but no, no. He was cooking it for himself. Now, hold on a second. So it, was it jerk chicken? Was it jerk pork since he was Jamaican? I, you know, I can't, I'm not a fucking chef. I, I'm not a chef. Um, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Chris hit the third rail there. He dropped the F-bomb. You know, as George Carling said, there was uh, seven words you couldn't say, right? I think he was getting a little too uh, comfortable with himself. Do, do we really believe that a Jamaican guy was selling jerk pork or jerk chicken on the subway? I don't know. I've never seen that. I'll give Chris the benefit of the doubt. But once he dropped the F-mom and, you know, got to get the fell snap to soap. Uh, if you happen to be uh, uh, Gentile, Rokish, if you happen to be Jewish, and wash his mouth out. Do we really think a Jamaican guy was selling uh, jerk pork or jerk chicken uh, in the subway? Oh, by the way... Uh, I uh, marched with the Guardian Angels in the annual West Indian Day Parade on Eastern Parkway, uh, uh, which is September 4th, Labor Day. Huge, huge gathering, hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And they sell a lot of jerk pork, a lot of jerk chicken, and uh, a lot of the Jamaicans, especially the Rastafari, wearing the Jiffy Pop hats, smoking the spliffs and drinking the Red Star beer, saying, hey, there's the jerky man, Sliwa. Does that mean they're going to put me on the grill? You have jerk pork, jerk chicken, jerk sliwa. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go all the way to Paradise, to Florida, where I came back from last uh, week, uh, DeSantis land. And Steve, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Steve. Good day, mate. <laughs> I think I think I solved your problem, mate. Go for it. What, was it the movie uh, Mick with Crocodile Hunter? Did he have a barbecue in the subway there? <laughs> ah, that's right, Crocodile Dundee. There were two he was in the subway. Right, but wait a second. There were some shrimps in the barbie. Were there, weren't there two versions of it? There was uh, Crocodile Dundee one, and I think Crocodile Dundee two. Yeah, I saw one, I think, a couple of times. Two, I don't even remember. Do you remember if they had a barbecue in the subway? I No, I don't remember. I'm just saying. I was just saying that. Mm. No. All right. No, no, no. But I remember that. Talking about, talking about a jerk getting grilled, you uh, you and Wiener might get grilled. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You do stand-up comedy, Steve. Now, which part of Florida are you calling from? Born in Hempstead General Hospital, Uniondale, Uniondale, I was raised till 11. Uh, you and I may have crossed paths at Shea Stadium, New York, with the Beatles. I don't know if you were there. Steve, I hate the Beatles. Oh, well, I crossed paths with the, with the Beatles, not you then. Anyway, I'm in uh, near Daytona Beach. It's Ormond Beach, Florida. Oh, Daytona Beach. Now, I've been to Daytona Beach, yeah, actually, yeah, the when they had. We got the 500 coming Sunday. Right, and uh, I've been there when they've had uh, a race, and let me tell you something: uh, the smell of the uh, the 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 um, uh, it's got to be like uh, almost like what a kerosene. I think those cars use the fumes. Yeah, the fumes yeah. causes you to get high. Yeah, am I right or wrong? As they go around, around. No, you're right. I'll be honest with you. Bike week's been like that lately. I. Uh... I'm a very sensitive. To, I was in the chemical field. I was a hired killer for most of my life. Uh, I was my company was called a hired killer. I had a pest control company. <laughs> oh, no, no. And, uh, you know that's now, interesting. That... Like the like during Bike Week, we have the fumes on Main Street. Oh my God! And I guess at the racetrack too. You know, the racetrack's pretty much open, pretty big. But uh, I'm sure uh, if you're not used to it, you probably smell the fumes. Now, do they still uh, fly the stars and bars, the flag of treason, the Johnny Reb flag, the Confederate flag at the races? I believe they're still doing it. I believe they are. I see them on trucks all the time here. Yeah, I believe they are. And that can seat like 100,000 people, right? I believe something like that, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because they have the in, the infield and the, and the seats all the way around, you know. Now, from year to year, when spring break takes place, I remember the big place that the kids used to go is Fort Lauderdale. And then they started migrating up the East Coast and then over to uh, uh, the Panhandle, Pensacola. But do they still hit Daytona Beach hard during spring break? Well, they're saying this spring break is going to be hit hard, they're saying right now, because uh, – COVID the past couple of years has been slow and they think it's going to be pretty heavy this year. They do. They're, they're getting ready for it now, actually. Uh, now, do you have any regrets having left uh, Long Island to go down to the Daytona I, I Beach area? I left there as a child, 11 years old. I'm 62 years old now. Hmm. And uh, we came to Florida and I, I love Florida. I went to California with the military, you know, and I came back. I mean, I went to uh, California with the military, but I'm glad to be back in Florida. I love Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be home. Now, question, uh, how many uh, snow uh, 
snowflakes, snowballs, uh, snow uh, brothers and sisters from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, have you seen move down into your neck of the woods? All the time. Yeah, it's growing like crazy. It's growing like crazy. My Our city where, and I'm in a city, it's funny, uh, Ormond Beach was where uh, Rockefeller had his, uh, could have been his uh, summer home or winter home, whatever. He used to come here all the time. And this place is just unbelievably growing like crazy. So, hypothetically, if you put your house up for sale tomorrow, how soon before you had a buyer? Uh, it's funny. We just sold one. We have, we're in the rental business also. We have some rental properties. Um we sold one. You know, it's funny. We were trying to sell it cash for quick. It was crazy, and and we we paid like a hundred thousand for it, like I don't know, fifteen years ago, and we uh, we couldn't get a hundred thousand back. So we put about about thirty five, forty grand into it, and uh, we ended up selling it for like a hundred eighty, and it probably took about two months. Wow! It took it put it this way. It took about three or four months to get it fixed. And then when we put it on the market, it took two months only, not even yeah, about not even two months. As soon as we put it on the market, to be honest, it was yeah, probably about a month, realistically, yeah. Yeah, but Steve, you realize you can't even get a closet up here for $180,000. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no wonder why the migration is continuing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This, the homes are going up in price. You know, that was a... a Three bedroom, one bath only. Like I said, it was a rental property. We we have a number of them, you know, and I'm get, trying to get rid of. And I'm retired now, so getting rid of them. I gotta tell you, every night here in the tri-state area and beyond, I know people are cheating, cheating on New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. They're scanning to see what's available, not just in Florida, Georgia, especially North and South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown. People, they just want to migrate out. They want a better quality of life. They don't want to pay these outrageous taxes in which they get no services uh, and in which there's so much stress and tension. They just want a better quality of life. And I I understand why people are fleeing south of the Mason-Dixon line. And also a lot of people want to be in a red state. They don't want to be in a hopelessly blue state. But then again, with so many people from up north heading down south, those – Red states become purple states and may soon flip to become a blue state. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Danielle calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Danny? Hello, hello. Yeah, there could be something to what you just said about the red to the blue to the blue to the red, but, you know, maybe if people are leaving a blue area because of um, extreme blue silliness, uh, they might not necessarily bring the, you know, silliness to the red area. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't see anybody that is it Nikki or some of the, um, the Democrats in, in Florida seem almost kind of like, you know, cartoon characters a bit, I got to say. Oh, well, speaking of that, before you get into your other point, there's a guy Mm -hmm. running against DeSantis. His name is Charlie Crist. He's been a Democrat. He's been a Republican. This is like the sixth time he's running for statewide office. He uses man tan. Now, imagine you're in Florida. You could just go outside. Uh, There are a lot of times you could tan there. You could go to a tanning salon. He doesn't do that. He gets tan out of the can. You know, that can in which you smear it on your body and you turn orange and you glow in the dark. 
He has the oh yeah the the, the the tan out of the can, and this guy we don't know what his sexuality is. He's an enigma. He was married, but the wife was a beard. We don't know if he's Democrat, Republican. He's challenging he DeSantis. Spam. Yeah, yeah. He's challenging DeSantis, who has eighty million dollars uh, in his campaign chest. And I get emails from this guy, Charlie Chris, every day like he's my friend. I never met the guy before in my life. Curtis, Curtis, I need your help. I need your help. I say, who, Charlie, who are you? Oh, I've known you for years. I've known you for years. That sounds like a very desperate politician, Daniel. Yeah, about the, the subway barbecues. Um, I've been doing some good subway riding recently. And, I, you know, I've seen the sleeping and the smoking. I haven't seen barbecues. Churros are definitely in effect. That's true. But I think maybe um, maybe he was trying to add a little levity, and, and he was maybe saying don't have a social event uh, on the on the subway platform on the far end because that's that's what happens. I think is you know the far ends <clears throat> people kind of you know may not be a barbecue, but it'll be like um, you know a get together, almost like a lunch break, but with no. Um, nothing around it and no sandwiches. Danny, Danny, could you conceive of taking a lunch break at the end of a platform in a subway station? No, I like <laughs> to do your business and go. I, I think that's a, a good message if, if we're looking for positives. Get on and get off. It's like a, you know, it's like a, a tram. It's a, it's a transportation you know, like with the Star Trek or whatever, it's it's meant to just transport. Yeah, but you know, uh, as you said, do your business. How can you do your business uh, on the subways? You know how few lavatories, public facilities they have? Not Oh, sorry, not that business. I mean the business of getting from <laughs> A to B. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes when you got to go, you got to go. Well, that I was about to say, I didn't want to say, along with the sleeping and the smoking, he left out the, the adjacent puddles of fluids next to some of the people sleeping. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm telling the you, the original subway system, a lot of it built in the uh, 1940s, they had a bathroom in each station, almost every station. Eh, it wasn't the cleanest, but it wasn't a gulag. Uh, you always had to worry about the pervs and uh, gay eyes on the back of the uh, straight guys. I mean, that was always a problem. Sometimes people would get robbed and mugged in there, but you got to have ba- bathrooms. You have to have public laboratories. A civilized society has that. Any of you who have traveled to Europe, and not only have bathrooms and laboratories, they have a bathroom attendant in these laboratories. A man, a man for the man uh, men's room, a woman for the woman's room. I wonder what they do now with. Uh, oh, we're going to be talking about that up next because I'm really, really worried about Frank Morano. All the talk he's had of late about he's interviewed a lot of transgenders of late. I don't know. Ever since Amy Schneider, his favorite, you know, his favorite show there, Jeopardy, uh, won the transgender. Who I think uh, went from uh, a guy to a gal. I'm not totally sure on that. But he's been, like, totally immersed in talking with transgenders. I'm a little concerned that he may be going through a midlife crisis. We'll be we'll be talking about that. But, yeah, like, in a bathroom, you know, imagine a transgender who hasn't completely finished the cycle. What do they call? I'm trying to remember what they call that. 
the gender reassignment surgery, if they haven't completely finished that, let's say going from a, a man to a woman or a woman to the man, and then they have so many terms, transgender, bigender, gender queer, gender fluid, binary, I, it's all very confusing to me, but you know, Frank Morano is like really into that stuff now. I'm getting a little concerned. You know, he has his beautiful wife, Rachel, and Carmine, who's now 24 pounds, born in uh, birth on Thanksgiving. Imagine the kid is 24 pounds now, and he has him listening to talk radio. I mean, the kid's going to end up talking like me. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Len, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Len? Hey, Curtis. I, I passed by uh, where the, uh, the Fordham Road and Webster Avenue, where, uh, where the Alexanders used to be all the time, and yep. the McDonald's is still there. Yep. Um, but I, I was wondering if you notice, I see these marijuana trucks all over the Times Square. They call it selling the 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 pot and uh i see the i look in and the girls in there they look like they're 12 years old the ones that are working working inside of these trucks yeah now uh i do not believe they're selling the actual smokable product you know puff puff pass i think they're they're selling the candies i think they're selling the uh, CBD uh, oil products. i, I got to check that out thoroughly. But you're right. They're everywhere. They're in front of Macy's and Herald Square. Uh, they're off of Times Square because there's not much room to park around Times Square. But wherever they can be, they're out there, and they're selling their product. And, and basically, Len, uh, recreational use of marijuana is technically legal in the state. They just haven't set up the state-licensed facilities to sell them. Most communities who voted uh, for the legalization of recreational use of marijuana, they don't want those facilities in their towns or villages. Uh, but it's an mm-hmm. eventuality. Uh, but I, I promise you, I'll, I'll do a deep dive and find out the specificity of what actual products are sold out of those trucks that are colorfully decorated, I might add. Right. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea. I had heard something about research, and I think this is true from what I've seen about smoking that stuff makes you mo- give you mood swings and stuff. Well, I tell you and what, I've I tell you what, people I know. I tell you what, we'll do tomorrow, Len. We'll devote a whole hour to uh, puff, puff, pass marijuana, all the buds, all the gradations, uh, where it uh, where it exists now, because technically um, the um, Use of um, recreational marijuana is legal, but it's not being sold legally. I'm trying to figure that one out. Uh, I'm, likewise, I'm a bourbon man myself, though. Excuse me? You know, I'm a bourbon man myself. Oh, you're bourbon. You? Uh, you, you like to knock back a few shots of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, every now and then. Uh, do you like what the, about you? Do you, your, like the uh, do you like the Kentucky bourbon? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, like, uh, yeah, Evan Williams or... Uh, you know, yeah, well, that's really... like uh, Mitch McConnell. You know, Mitch <gasps> McConnell, the Republican uh, leader in the Senate, he loves his bourbon, whereas the junior senator uh, of Kentucky, uh, Rand Paul, loves his reefer. Uh, uh, marijuana is the cash crop of uh, Kentucky now. Did you know that? No kidding. 
Yeah, no, it's I, the I, uh, number one cash crop in Kentucky. It has superseded tobacco, which was the number one cash crop there for many, many years. But I, I promise you, Len, I will devote an entire hour tomorrow to marijuana. And it's very confusing here in the state of New Jersey uh, and New York. Uh, we know this medical marijuana. Uh, very difficult to find, I might add. You got to go on a, uh, a uh, you got to go through a maze to find it. Uh, and then, technically, the recreational use of marijuana is legal, but there are no state dispensaries yet. You scratch your head and wonder why. There's a lot of money to be made in that tax, uh, a lot of tax dollars to be made from that. So we'll go through all the ramifications tomorrow, and I'll give you. A better analysis of uh, what's being sold out of those marijuana trucks. But I can pretty much guarantee you it's not the smokable product. 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. A founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I had a dream, we were sipping a whiskey neat, highest floor of the Bowery, and I was high enough. Somewhere along the lines, we stopped seeing eye to eye, you were staying out all night, and I had enough. No, I don't want to know where you've been or where you're going, but I know I won't be home, and you'll be on your own. Yeah, I think these folks are doing puff, puff, fast. I don't think they were hitting those Weed World trucks. But I'm thinking uh, Selena Gomez and her crew definitely doing a little puff, puff, fast. Let me hear that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yo, doing puff, puff, fast. Yes, yes, yes. Fat blunts, no splits. See if you're getting out of the clubs right about now. The few that are open. Now you're heading to the after hours. Red light clubs. Oh man. You get that secondary smoke. It's like somebody just shotgunned you. I'm talking about with the smoke, not with the lead, not a Remington, but maybe a Philly Blunt. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to James, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, James. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? I know I'm not even going to ask you that question, but get him up in a long day. All right, I did want to call you. Uh, James, James, slow it down. Slow. Let's give James an opportunity. Just slow it down, man. It's like I hope, man, you, you haven't been doing lines or, or mess, man. You're like talking a mile a minute. I'm totally drug-free. However, but speaking of that, uh, on November 7th, Daily News article, which I'm referring to and looking at now, is welcome to Uncle Bud's uh, where business is smoking. It is a food truck on, like, like truck on 116th and Frederick Douglass Boulevard. And it says customers pop in daily between noon and 11 p.m. for an assortment of edibles, pre-rolled joints, and sealed bags of pop-up Scotty Pippen and Purple Haze. So apparently they are actually selling 
uh, the marijuana there. And a friend of mine turned me on to this article and told me that he's been up there to buy it. And that he said there's actually, at the time, police standing there making sure that the truck doesn't get robbed. All right. So now uh, the truck is not located in Midtown. It's located where again? This particular truck is located on 116th Street and Frederick Douglass Boulevard. I don't know if any Midtown trucks are related to it or not. But this one does apparently sell actual marijuana, according to the Daily News. Okay, and it's called Uncle Bud's, right? Uncle Bud's, yes. All right, so uh, it has uh, it has the edibles. It has uh, product names of Reefa named after Scotty Pippen and Purple Haze, right? Yes. Wow. I wonder and, why they chose like- Scotty Pippen, formerly of the Chicago Bulls, uh, I have no idea. Uh, uh, Robert Parrish, who used to play center for the Boston Celtics, used to have like uh, like ounces of marijuana sent to his house in Federal Express packages. And one time a package opened up uh, and they determined that and this is when it was illegal. But Robert right. Parrish said, well, you know, after a game, I used it for medicinal purposes. They said, you smoke an ounce after a game? You know what an ounce is? I know. I smoked it as a teenager, believe me. Right. You know how many joints, uh, I'm telling you, toothpick joints, you could roll up on an ounce? Yeah, I know. That it's guy was like... smoking an ounce of weed after the games. And uh, there's a time they call you a dealer if you had an ounce of that on. You forget about using it. That's right. So they have edibles in the truck. They have brand names like Scotty Pippen, Purple Haze, and they have what, nickel and dime bags? Uh, it just says pre-rolled joints, but it doesn't say how they're selling the rest, just the names of it. All right. Did they uh, pick out the seeds and stems? That I have no idea. I haven't bought it. I'm fifth going on 58. I quit smoking when I was 19. I grew up and said enough of this. All right. But 19, uh, and that was what year? Oh, gosh. I got to remember. I can't do the essay. Well, see, that, that's what you get from uh, smoking too by much pot. By, you by, can't by remember. 1983, yeah. All right. 1983. Well, that was really like yeah. more. That was ragweed. That and that, yeah. that wasn't the strains that they have available now. Now they have strains where if you want to smoke them uh, just for your mental state of mind, there are others for your physical state of mind. They've got it. They've got it down to a science now. Whereas before, you'd be smoking ragweed. You didn't know if at times that if it was uh, uh, fake weed, uh, if it was. Uh, <laughs> out of the jar at the pizza parlor, you know, where you're putting on green leaves on your pizza and all of a no, sudden they're selling somebody, that to you. That's right. Uh, as uh, He actually sold me oregano. I swear it was pure oregano. I work in the kitchen. I know oregano. I cook. I went outside and almost killed the guy. But, you know, but, you know he, gave me my, he gave me my money back. So they, they had actually sold you oregano as pot. It was pure oregano, man, and pure oregano. Oh, man, they tried to beat you. Yeah, my mother was Italian. I know how to cook. I know what oregano is. <laughs> That'd be interesting if somebody would have called up and said, you know, I got quite a buzz on oregano, man. You'd be, yeah, I was yeah. flying. i tell you a quick story. Uh, the waitresses working there um, is, uh, you know, uh, you can fool people, uh, suggestive, you know, using suggestions. So I rolled up marijuana. I rolled up a Marlboro tobacco as a joint, threw a couple of seeds in there so it would pop, gave it to the waitress. And she came back the next day. She said, oh, man, you got more of that. There was some really good stuff. Wow. So you gave uh, – yes, she had some Marlboro, right? Marlboro yeah, cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then – So I gave it. Wow. Wow. And the power of suggestion is amazing. It is. And I would bet you 
you know, like they test with drugs, you know, they give you the real drug, then they give you a placebo, that you could tell somebody that the joint they were smoking were pot and they'd act out like they were stoned or all of a sudden they had the munchies, you know, you're passing a Dunkin' Donuts and they get a dozen donuts and they've never even bought a donut before. And then you tell them afterwards, that was a placebo. That wasn't a real joint. You know, it's like when uh, Alice Crandon gave Ralph the grape juice, emptied out the wine, and gave Norton and Ralph the grape juice, and they got drunk on it, if you remember that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They were sitting at the table in Ralph Crandon's apartment, and they were sharing that Welch's grape juice and acting like it was Gallo Port wine. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Man, I, I got to check this out. You see, I got a lot of homework to do for tomorrow night's program. I got to check out the Weed World, which I'll do. I'll stop by uh, right by uh, Macy's at Herald Square. That weed wagon is all always there. And by the way, they have a storefront right there, also next to the Dollar Pizza joint, which is right on, I think, 37th and 7th. Then I got to figure out to check out Uncle Bud's that he said is on 160th and Frederick Douglass Boulevard and see what their uh, items are. He says they sell edibles, which uh, um, technically now uh, would be legal. And then they sell brand names Scotty Pippen, Purple Haze. Again, I don't know why it's named Scotty Pippen and not uh, Robert Parrish, the former Celtic uh, center who is a total pothead. He played in a purple uh, haze in uh, uh, Celtic Garden. If anybody knows why it's called Scotty Pippen, please give me a call because I never knew him to be a pothead. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. By the way, a little trivia here. Curtis Lee was super sports spectacular. You know I always do that. Even though I got fired by ESPN, fired by WABC doing sports talk radio. Uh, who was the New York Nick? substitute off the bench uh, who would come in very gangly but was like maybe the biggest pothead ever to play in the NBA. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go if we can to Jay who's calling all the way from Natty Land, Cincinnati, where Vine Street meets over the Rhine. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jay. Curtis, how's it going? Oh, I don't know, Mike. Give him the big build-up. All right, the Natty Boys lost the Super Bowl. Very disturbing to the L.A. Rams, the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Jet Setters, and that Statford, Stratford, whatever the hell that guy is. But he blew it. Jay blew it. He asked me, how am I doing? He never asked me, how am I doing? Because I'm going to tell you I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, Jay, Kabish. Okay, we uh we never finished our subway here in Cincinnati. Okay, it was one of those political boondoggles. But uh, now wait a second, I've been to Cincinnati. I never even knew you had a subway. Yep, never got completed. Started in the '30s and was never finished. The only thing we got down there: were squirrels, rabbits, and groundhogs fornicating. And chili, lots of chili, no doubt, leftover chili, because that's all you got in that. I never knew they tried it. Now, look, I've been on the Pittsburgh subway system. Cleveland has a subway system, goes from Stouffer Square downtown right out to the airport. But I never knew they tried to build a subway system uh, in Cincinnati. Yes, they got the, the some of the tunnels built, and they do have some of those lobbies and the layover stations built. But uh, they ran out of money. 
in Cincinnati. And they didn't use them for bomb shelters, you know, when Khrushchev was threatening to bury us? They sure did. You're right. That's what I understand. Civil Defense had some uh, bunch of stuff stored down there, some old cans of water, and uh, you might get down there and find some stale food and some old rusty cans of water from the Civil Defense days. Yeah, figure, you know, the way Joe Biden's going, our president, uh, and he keeps talking about, uh, you know, Putin's going to invade the Ukraine, uh, you may have to go through those uh, airway, air raid drills and hit those old subway tunnels. Heck yeah, we can repurpose them. Wow, Cincinnati, they tried to build a subway. And all the time I was there organizing Guardian Angels, nobody ever told me that. Man, I'm really pissed off now. Growing up here as kids, me and my brother wanted to break in there and just check it all out. You know how kids are. Yeah, well, now, Jay, in our subway system, which, as you know, is vast, uh, one of the largest in the world. Some say the largest. I don't know. I think London's is larger and Tokyo's is larger. There are 472 active stations. But what most people don't know, probably even our Mayor Eric Adams, there are 30 abandoned stations and platforms abandoned in the system that homeless people and emotionally disturbed persons have sort of like burrowed their way into. That, Amazing. That Amazing. Would, Unbelievable. That yeah. 30 abandoned stations would have been more stations that would have been built on a new subway uh, system in Cincinnati, right? Yes, sir. You got it going, man. <laughs> I never knew that. You know, I used to go back. I get back there every 20 years. My dear mom's from Brooklyn. My dad's from the main streets of Jersey. Hmm. And back in the 50s, my mom said the worst thing that happened on the subway is you got your ass grabbed. Yeah. But I used to love going back there and riding the elevated section. Well, see, Man, that was so cool. The difference is the pervs would grab a female's tush. Now they want to prove to the woman that they're not suffering from erectile dysfunction. So they're flashing. They're, they're, you know, they're showing their projector set. To uh, any woman that would dare even uh, spot them in the eye. The pervs are rampant in the system. But I want to thank you, Natty Boy Jay. Where Vine Street meets over the Rhine. Where there's a great white castle there. Oh, I had a great bag of belly busters right there. That's a tough neighborhood. Although, although it's changing. Never knew. They tried to build a subway system there. Never knew that. <sighs> Let's go to Greg, who's calling also from Ohio. A lot of calls from the Buckeye State. This time from Dayton. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Greg. You going to thank me? Uh, I'm going to thank you, yes, because back-to-back, belly-to-belly, calling from Ohio. That's a record here at WABC. Yeah, I've called you before. Oh, got to hustling up on Subway. <laughs> Bring in the moth, man. <laughs> well, they never tried to build a subway in Dayton, that's for sure. I'm, I'm from Dover, Ohio, which I'm about an hour and a half south of Cleveland. Okay. All right. Okay. But, uh, we got we got marijuana you can buy in a store here, but it's too expensive. Oh, look, man. When I've been to Ohio, that stuff grows out in the fields. Well, we get it from Kentucky. Yeah. Rand Paul. That's the brand there. Rand Paul. Wow. Mitch McConnell. He, I, got, I got a question for you. Yes. Whatever happened to Dice Clay? Dice Clay, still, he's an actor. You know, he's appeared in some films. I don't think he does as much stand-up comedy as he used to. He used to be the number one stand-up comedian for a while. Uh, uh, what, he's out of Brooklyn. Society, the woke society go crazy with him, wouldn't they? Yeah. 
that would be real kind of tough to do his kind of comedy now. You 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 yeah. probably wouldn't yeah. see that on like an HBO special. Yeah. It would have to be he in could, private clubs. Could. Yeah, he couldn't do the uh, what the hell's that? He couldn't do his hickory dickory. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Although he grew up in the same area as uh, Sid Rosenberg, our morning guy here, not far from him. Two Brooklyn yeah. boys. Yeah. I want to tell you about them. Uh, you talk about uh, Frank, and he's got a lot of transgenders on his show now. Yeah, that, it's a bit odd. Last week he had like two transgenders back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and this was coming off. Uh, he, You know, he loves Jeopardy like a lot of Americans. He and his wife, Rachel, every night they watch Jeopardy. Uh, uh, and he loved Amy Schneider, who had the 40 wins. I think she won over a million dollars, second largest winning streak. And he would just kept talking about, wow. I called him the other night. I said, you should go to Thailand. It's where they got all the lady boys. Yeah, yeah. Well, Greg, in the next, in the next hour, I'm going to connect all the dots because I think I got it figured out, Greg. They got posts and they got free. And now let me ask you a question, a little trivia here. What great TV star was found upside down in a closet in a hotel in Thailand without his flute? That's a little bit of a trivia tip. What great TV star that many of us watched, very humble, very quiet in the TV show, was found hanging upside down in a hotel closet. Uh, I think he was like mummified uh, with his flute. The flute is will help you with the answer. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Andrew and Elmont. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Andrew, J.R. Smith, David Carradine, J.R. Smith, David Carradine. That's Steve from Manhattan. That's no. Steve. Yeah, that's Steve from Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, problem. You know what it is? It's like, uh, how many Thesmians, you ask them who they really are, you know, they, I mean, very subdued, very quiet. They like being somebody else. They, they, they live out of fantasy, trying to be somebody that they're not. And all of a sudden, they come to life. Stephen Manhattan, he's been listening to talk radio, calling for years. And then I think he he hit his midlife crisis in which he determined he didn't want to be Steve from Manhattan anymore. So rather than going through a process of gender reassignment surgery and becoming something that he was not birthed as, he just became multiple personalities, right? Tried different voices different attitudes, a shame. Just be proud of who you are, Steve. And then at the end of it, you can say, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan. Uh, Let's go to Care in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Care. How are you? Oh, no, no. All right, no, you caught it. You caught it. All right, I I give you credit. You caught yourself quick, Care. (laughs) Um, I don't know why this government is trying to encourage all the wrong and bad behavior that people ever used to have. And they want to subject the whole society to it. You know, like the heroin and the marijuana, the prostitution, everything. I don't get it. Well, Kay, you, really- you see, this is the problem. We have a DEA 
uh, which goes after drug dealers, you know, basically weight. You can bring in weight, uh, not small amounts. The DOA dead on arrival, that's what he is. Yeah, you're right. But with the DEA uh, and our federal government, they quantify marijuana as if it was the equal of fentanyl. They call it a level one dangerous narcotic. And uh, I've been on fentanyl. And I've used marijuana, and you cannot in any way, shape, or form compare the two. You can't. You can't. But you see, when our federal government can't even figure out with all their test takers, you know they got a lot of volunteers willing to smoke marijuana and then take those fentanyl patches. You can tell the difference. And yet our federal government quantifies fentanyl as a level one substance. And marijuana is a level one substance. And I don't even think they have heroin as a level one substance. I think it's level two. Again, we're going to be talking about a lot of these issues uh, tomorrow. We'll talk about them for a full hour because I can see there's a lot of interest in this. Up next, we got to figure out why Frank Morano seems to have this insatiable interest in transgenders of late. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I met her in a club down in Lotso where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola. C-O-L-A Cola. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her her name and in a top from voice she said hello. Sounds like Frank Morano, doesn't it? Could be. I know the Kinks uh, created this song, Lola, long before Frank Morano was birthed. But if this song fits, you got to wear it. And I'm really concerned with Frank Morano. You know, ever since, uh, look, he, he loves Jeopardy. Just like Bernard McGurk, recovering from stage four prostate cancer, But in listening to Bernard over the years, he says every night he and his wife watch Jeopardy religiously, religiously. And Frank Morano with his lovely wife, Rachel, likewise. And I know a lot of people out there, they they can't miss Jeopardy. If they miss it, uh, they VCR it, whatever, whatever they got to do, YouTube it. They got to get their Jeopardy fix. And I noticed that ever since Amy Schneider of Oakland participated I think she was a software uh, engineer. He became fascinated with transgenderism. Because remember, she was an openly transgender participant in Jeopardy out of the three contestants. A man who had gone and through the, uh, the actual surgery, what they call the transitional surgery, she became a woman and participated... And apparently was the second uh, largest winner of all time. 1.4 million second only to Ken Jennings, who had won like 74 straight wins. 
I think Amy had 40 wins. And I remember, like a few nights in a row, Frank Morano was going on and on and on about Amy Schneider. He never saw anyone who was such a good participant. He was fascinated by her. He was hoping at one point he'd be able to interview her. And I said, okay, this is like puppy dog fascination. Maybe puppy love. I don't know. But since we don't know Frank Morano's real age, it could be he's going through a midlife crisis. Look, just had his first uh, son, Carmine, who's now 24 pounds, having been birthed on Thanksgiving. You remember the ordeal that his poor wife, Rachel, was put through, uh, having delivered at Richmond uh, County Hospital. Uh, there was uh, Nurse Ratchet there with her multiple personalities, and then she was assisted by... Uh, a nun, 92-year-old nun, who was on loan by uh, Vinny Ignizio from uh, Mount Laredo. Uh, she was uh, assisting uh, the, uh, the nurse. And then Carmine King. And now he's 24 pounds. And he listens to the other side of midnight, both when Frank is on during the week, 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays, and on the two other sides of midnight that I host, uh, today, Saturday morning from 1 to 6, and then Sunday morning from 12 midnight to 6. But this fascination that Frank has had with, uh, I don't know what you call it. Maybe some of you can straighten me out on it. I'm not too good with the terminology, uh, the uh, transgender, bigender, genderqueer, gender fluid, binary... Um, it's uh, it's almost like a foreign language to me, in, in essence, but a brand-new generation. They speak in these terms, he, her, them, those, I don't know. Frank seems to be very skilled at that, though. A little too skilled uh, for my liking. I think he may be delving into that world. I don't know. Maybe, maybe fantasize. Who knows? You know what happens. You're stuck there on Staten Island. Uh, you know, you go riding up and down the Highland Boulevard. You see all those massage parlors there. You know, the Korean cuties there. And who knows? Maybe you flip your script. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the other morning, I'm listening to the Frank Morano Show. And I hope you all listen uh, 20 hours a week because I want you to rat them out to me. Because, you know, he dropped me from time to time. And I need, I need you to rat him out to me. But he's talking to this guy. I don't know. Is it right? A guy? Gal? I'm still confused. Called Oil London. Describing himself as a transgender, non-binary, from London, who wants to be Korean. That means you want to eat fish (laughs) and chips? No. You want to eat kimchi? Uh, I'm all confused. They damn is like, I find it confusing as well because it's, you know, normally it would be plural, like a group of people or two people and stuff. But, no, I respect people, whatever they want to be. If someone wants to identify as an animal, go for it, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Okay. So that's Oil London, just a little hors d'oeuvre. Let me give you another little hors d'oeuvre of Oil London with Frank Morano this past week. 
Now, yeah. um, you are non-binary, correct? Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't mind what people call me. I actually ask people to call me my Korean pronouns. I say Korean. You know, most people want to be called they, them. I'm like, no, I just want to be Korean. He wants to be Korean, but he's a Brit. I'd say maybe he's a bit confused. I mean, hey, look, who am I to judge, right? But Frank was, like, really fascinated. I think he had him on for a full hour. And then the very next morning, Frank is interviewing Betty Hayton, who I believe was a trans teacher. I mean, this was back-to-back, belly-to-belly. And we talk about trans people being bullied and being oppressed. I'm not sure we are. You know, I, uh, I'm i not sure about this. Society uh, gives us a lot of rights and gives us a lot of privileges. In the UK, I have massive rights and a few, uh, and there's the same rights for everybody else and a few extra besides. Yes, people can sometimes be, uh, can sometimes make remarks, but uh, I don't think trans people are a special group in that way. Wow. I mean, what's the likelihood of having two transgenders on his guests within a period of 24 hours? I know, look, recently uh, a study came out and it said that 10% of the population now uh, identifies itself as, oh, I'm always mixing up this acronym, LGQBT, uh, something along those lines, about 10%. And about uh, 3% as binary, uh, 4% as transgender. The numbers, I don't know. I may be off on that. But I was a little taken aback by Frank. Really into this stuff. Maybe into it a little too much. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then I'm thinking as a kid. Because we're going to be talking about old Canada later. There he was, the Montreal Olympic Games, Montreal. In fact, I ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. Which city is closest to Europe in the Western Hemisphere? Which city, major city, is closest to Europe in the Western Hemisphere? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But there he was, Bruce Jenner was at the uh, Olympic Games in Montreal. The decathlon gold medal winner, that means he had to be adept and really good in a lot of different sports, and he was. And remember, originally he was one of our own from Westchester, from, I think, New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm not totally sure, but Connecticut and Westchester. And I remember him. He was on the Wheaties box. He was the greatest athlete Maybe of all time, the GOAT, right? Greatest athlete of all time. And then listen to him. This is this is Bruce Jenner speaking in about 1980. Most Canadians do not know this. My father was born in Canada. Where in Canada, Bruce? In a place, I don't even know where it was. It was someplace near Montreal uh, and lived there for the first like year of his life. And then they moved down to uh, Boston. And he grew up in Boston, but he was actually born in Canada. So there was something full circle in your life about Yeah, there really Montreal. was. In fact, when I got on the award stands, I, I felt like saying that, you know, because there's so many Canadians there, and the Americans are obviously very excited, and the Canadians were too. And uh, I felt like saying, that, hey, you know, that my dad was born in Canada, you know. So- That's right. 
Never can forget Bruce Jenner. Greatest athlete of our lifetime. I mean, he competed in that decathlon, finished it off with a mile run. Remember, a broad jump, uh, pole vault, through the uh, javelin, the discus, I think, the shot put, 100-meter dash. I mean, total of 10 events. The greatest athlete at that time in the world, Montreal Olympic Games. I can never forgive it. And then years later, he went through his uh, transition. And then suddenly he was uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn, great to have you here on the show. It is my pleasure, Rita. I always love talking to you. And you know, I'm a native. You're out of New York. I grew up in Westchester County. That's right. Hospital. I grew up in mostly in Terrytown. Uh, went to Sleepy Hollow High School. That was Caitlyn Jenner with our own Rita Cosby just recently. So I've given you sort of a panoply. I think that also was what encouraged Frank Morano because he listens to Dominic Carter, who comes on before him, twelve to one Monday through Fridays. And then Rita, who's on from 10 to 12, Monday through Fridays. So he listens to the shows when coming in, driving in from Staten Island. So I would bet you that combination of loving Amy Schneider in her 40 wins in Jeopardy, which he adores. That's his favorite program in the world, along with his wife, Rachel. And then hearing Caitlyn Jenner, a.k.a. Bruce Jenner, with our own Rita Cosby, probably caused him to flip the script. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ron, who's calling all the way from Michigan. It seems like we're a heartland of American show from Ohio to Michigan. Your turn to be heard here tonight on WABC, Ron. Thank you, Curtis. Curtis, you know, I had, I had a crush on Bruce Jenner, and then he became Caitlin. What, was I, what am I supposed to do now? Wow. So you had a crush on Bruce Jenner. He had the long locks, the Samson-like long locks, the athletic build, well-spoken, very intelligent. You had a crush on him, and now he's become Caitlyn. So the the crush doesn't transfer itself? I'm just joking. But you know who he looks like? Actually, it, it kind of did because he looks like the detective woman on uh, Law & Order. You know, the Ukrainian-type looking woman? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forget her name, but you're right. As she's aged on Law & Order, like all of them. Like, uh, who is that? Ice-T, Ice-Cube, Ice-Tray, uh, one of those Ices. Uh, they've all aged. They, they're they like 20, 30 years older than they were when they first started. And the various – how many Law & Orders are there now? Like 22 different types? Oh, there's so many. But, you know, Curtis, can I can – I, uh, Change the subject just for a Of course, minute. of course. Now, where in Michigan uh, do you reside, Ron? Berrien Springs. Okay. And where is that? Um, it's about 30 miles from South Bend. Oh. And, uh, Boudicier, uh, land, it, Boudicier land, Boudicier land, yeah. Boudicier land, Boudicier land. And if you took off right now to go to Chicago, because there'd be no traffic, you'd probably be in Chicago in about an hour, actually, doing the speed limit. Now, would I be uh, passing through Michigan City, waving at the prisoners in uh, Michigan City prison? That's for sure. That's right. And throw them a bundle over the wall. (laughs) But go ahead with your point, Rod. You know, Curtis, um, you're you're being Polish, and, and 
and everything. You you know that, that there's racism. It, 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 here, give me an example. A lot of the Polish workers who come over from Poland, who are from like the uh, the hillbilly section of of Poland, uh, the real good craftsmen, carpenters, plumbers, and I I know a lot of people who are in construction, and they like to hire these guys because they're real good, and they you know they work with no social security and no uh, uh, you know benefits, just cash money, and but and they, but they bring a lot of racism with them, okay, and uh, I, I know these people, and they're good people, but. You know, you, once you come into this country, you, you absorb that that uh, thing. And now, you know, with United States soldiers, and a lot of them are, are black and Hispanic and mixed, they're, they're going to Poland to defend that, that country. I wonder if, if they, if the because you, you're there, if the Polish people, how they feel, you, you know, with, because here, here, I'll give you an example. In the suburbs, Sometimes delivery guys, whether it be Hispanic or black, if they go to a, a, a European guy a immigrant's house, they will not allow them into the to, to deliver the, the stuff, the goods, because they, they they don't trust the Hispanic or black, you know, uh, people. And the, the, you get where I'm, co- I'm coming here from. Yeah, well, I, I think Ron, uh, a lot of it phases itself out with a new generation as they have children. Some of them are in mixed marriages with uh, different ethnic groups or they're married uh, to a Polish uh, woman, a Polish guy together. And then as their children begin to assimilate, that changes. But I know what you're talking about, but I got to tell you, uh, Poland is our number one ally in all of Europe. They are loyal to us. Remember, there was that time that Vladimir Putin said that if you accept those missiles from the United States, those offensive missiles to be housed in Poland... Uh, I will incinerate you. And the prime minister of Poland said, well, go ahead and incinerate us because we're taking the missiles from America. None of our other allies in Europe have done that. Certainly not the fair weather Germans, the English, Macron in France, the Poles, number one, second to none in terms of being loyal to America, Ron. I, I totally agree with you. And wasn't that uh, Polish prime minister's plane uh, knocked out of the sky in a storm coming home from Russia? Well, a lot of Poles believe it was sabotaged by the KGB. Uh, others say it was natural. I think it was uh, the brother of the guy who mm-hmm. became the new prime minister. Same name, I think. Uh, I may be confusing mm-hmm. it all. But, yeah, no, there are still mm-hmm. some Poles who definitely believe that the sabotage uh, resulted from a KGB plot Uh, Putin hates Poland because obviously Poland stands in the his plan of trying to convert back uh, into Iron Curtain satellite countries. All those countries that left the Iron Curtain when uh, Gorbachev brought in uh, uh, Perestroika and Glasnost and then the drunk Yeltsin, uh, he took over. And then Putin took over, and now he's on a mission to get all those satellite nations back. But I'm telling you, the Poles will not fold. They have a really good army, uh, really well-trained, and they are willing to die to the last uh, man and woman to defend uh, Poland. And by the way, a lot of people never knew that the Poles were the only people ever to invade Russia and actually... Uh, take over Moscow for a full year. No other country was able to do that, not Napoleon, not Hitler. And if not for the Poles in Vienna fending off the Turks, uh, everyone in Europe probably would have been bowing 
uh, to Mecca and Medina three times a day. Uh, Curtis, wasn't Poland allied with Ukraine when they did uh, that move on Russia? Not sure, because when you look at the lines, you go back and forth, depending on what century, all those areas were controlled by Russia. Then another century, all those areas were controlled by the Ukraine. Then another century, all those areas were controlled by Poland. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rob, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rob. Hey, I just got a concern about Frank. You know, his last name, if you split it at the end of the N and go to the second end, you got moron and then no. It's like this concerns me. Now you're talking about him making bad decisions and possibly changing over size of what gender he is. Wouldn't surprise me. Well, you know something? I think he's fascinated. I think he's dallying with the idea. I think he's in a midlife crisis now. I never before heard, though, in any talk radio program uh, for an entire week, he not only spoke about Amy Schneider, his favorite Jeopardy champion, who happens to be transgender, but, uh, the, I mean, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, his, his interviews with two transgenders two mornings in a row. It just gives me a little cause for concern that well, maybe his fascination may go from fantasy to reality. You understand what I'm saying, Rob? It gives me the creeps. Trust me, I understand what you're saying. Uh, look, look, look. You know, who... Who is it for us to judge, Rob? This is uh, a world of come see, come saw. Frank has always been a contrarian since the day he was birthed. You say blue, he says red. You say uh, green, he says uh, chartreuse. Uh, You say, I want to live in a log cabin. He says, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I want to be able to fully develop the drapes and the rugs and the lanterns, and everything else. I want to customize the house, which would suggest to you that maybe he's leaning in a certain direction. I'm not saying anything specifically. I'm just a little concerned. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeffrey in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Hello, Curtis. Yes, Jeff. My friend, I, I first started following you back in the late, late 70s, 78, 79. Um, it's an honor to talk to you. So I, got, I think I can answer both. If no one answers those questions, I got the NBA pot smoker. Okay, so uh, remember the guy who was talking to us was saying that there was a pot truck uh, up on 160th and Frederick Douglass Boulevard that was uh, actually selling pot, one brand of it, uh, he said was the uh, uh, named uh, in honor of the uh, Chicago Bull. And so now I'm trying to figure it out. What, Scottie Pippen? Why would you name it after Scottie Pippen? Okay, so I have the, the the New York Knicks who was known as the pot, the, oh, the gang guy you referred to. Yes, 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 yes. That would be Phil Jackson? Exactly. Phil Jackson, who was the substitute on the championship team, would come off the bench. Uh, great defensive player. Couldn't uh, score two points uh, on a layup. He could. Uh, I was the other answer also. Oh, wait a second. Before, all right, give me the other answer is, uh, I think, about the actor, right? Mr. Kung Fu David Carradine. That's Carradine. right. Hanging upside down in the closet of a no-tell motel. 
not holiday in occasion, right? That's right. That's right. And he was he he was wrapped up, cellophaned up, right, hermetically sealed up with his uh, kung fu flute. Kinky. Yes. A little freaky deaky action there, Jeff. Let me just say this, Curtis. Seriously. I want you to take pause. I'm going to be critical. This joke, I know you're joking with Frank. Ha, ha, ha. I, I love it. I love it. But you, you just, just picture this 50 years ago and substitute the word gay for the word trans, and you see how where that one goes. It's homophobic, okay? I don't mean to be all woke on you, Curtis. Now, hold on a second. Wait a second. There are a number of terms here, and yeah. you seem to be a little hipper in that direction uh, than I am. So maybe you can explain it to me so you can straighten me out, because I am a little confused, and I think most okay, Americans it's all, it's are It's all a good joke. First, it's all a good joke. Ha, ha, ha. I can't wait to hear Frank respond. But baiting him on being interested in trans is like someone else baiting someone 50 years ago or 60 or 70 years ago for being interested in gay. Okay. Now, but I'm asking you a question. Maybe you can educate yeah. our audience because uh, we're baby boomers, so uh, we're a little beyond the language of today's hipsters and millennials. I'm 64. What are you talking about? Well, you're hipper than I am in this area. But you have... What, 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 are, what, what are you not getting? All right. You I'm have transgender, right? Yeah. You have bigender. You have what, gender no, queer. Whatever you're going for, Chris. Ha, ha. It's a good joke. Whatever it is. I'm, I'm asking it's, you. It's home. It's just no, you know, the mechanism at, at play. Don't you agree? Is it's like oh, Frank is guilty. With the, even though it's an in, inside joke, you, me, and Frank. I got that. Ah, okay. my God! I'm asking you. You seem to be a wealth of information on this subject. You don't want to share it with our audience. You know Why I mean? are you like a squirrel that's just trying to keep it all to yourself? I'm not going to say it again. That sounded like Hillary Clinton. I'm not, not going to say homophobia again. It's it's phobic against a group. By the way, Jeffrey. Have you ever gone to my campaign website? No, I have not, sir. I should, I should uh, go there. Why don't you go to the timeline and you'll see that I actually conducted the first gay wedding in all of New York City, no uh, New York State, 1976, when it was unheard of, Jeff? Chris, I'm not going to argue. You uh, got my point. Well, okay. the next time, next time you want to no, call me you. a homophobe guy. Hey, see these guys? It's like right away, a knee-jerk reaction. I don't get it. All these terms. I'm asking for some enlightenment, and the guy instead wants to call me a homophobe. And yet I conducted the first gay marriage in New York State when even gays didn't want to get married. They said, better to be domestic partners because, you know, people will show up outside with pitchforks and want to burn our house down. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, defense of the Marriage Act, <laughs> weren't all that friendly towards gays and lesbians then, nor the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese, Schumer, and the rest of them. God, that gets me mad. That guy was calling me a homophobe, wasn't he? 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to George, uh, all the way out in uh, Staten Island, right? Aren't you calling from Staten Island, George? I am calling from Staten Island, indeed, the garden spot of New York. Yes. I mean, we are so underrated over here. Uh, But anyway, I am just, uh, you know, and I know you don't like people fawning over you, but I, I really was not liking you when you were running for mayor. But as I've listened to you... Uh, I, which I never had before you were running for mayor. 
I have totally <laughs> developed a new fondness for you. Um, but anyway, to the point, I first had want to say something, and I, ho- I hope you have changed your view about Mayor Adams, because what mayor even knows that people are barbecuing on the subway station. See, you didn't know that, but he knew that, and and a couple of callers spoke to that. So I hope you changed your view on that to some extent. Another thing is that I really Now, hold on a second. Hold on. Judge, uh, have you – you've ridden the subway system, right? Absolutely, all my life. I'm I'm 40 years in New York. Okay. Have you ever seen anybody barbecuing in the subway? I never have. I never have. That's that is true. But oh, thank you because I wanted to make this point. Yes. It is not necessarily specifically that he he wanted to say uh, that pe- people were barbecuing. He was. I can't remember the the English term. All right. Well, we're going to play it for you now. Listen, listen intently, George. Both you and I are going to uh, slice it and dice it. Uh, we'll see if he's parsing his language. Let's listen to the mayor earlier today. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking. No more doing drugs. No more sleeping. No more doing barbecues on the subway system. No more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Swipe your Metro card. Ride the system. Get off at your destination. Barbecues? Uh Okay. Okay, let me let me point that out, and this is exactly my point, and I'm glad you played it again because listen to what he said after he said no more barbecuing. He said no more doing whatever you want to do. It was a hyperbole. He was basically saying uh, he could have said uh, no more no more um, tapping your feet against somebody or, you know, he could have said anything that a person should not do in a civilized society in New York City. He he was just throwing out anything that people do or could do that is inappropriate and unacceptable in our city. So that's, I had to make that point. Now, hold on, Shay. Uh, you used a $5 word, uh, multisyllabic. What the hell were you, what, what's that, a hyper, hyper what? Hyperbole. What the hell does that mean? Well, you know what? Guess what? I have to look it up myself. But uh, what I mean to say is that it is just a, 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 an, an idea of an uh, – I got to look it up. I got to look it up. See that? The next time, don't be using words, uh, fancy $5 words that you don't know the meaning of it. While you look it up, I ask you this. The last guys to tap feet, it wasn't in the subway. It was at the Minneapolis uh, Limburg Airport. Remember, it was a U.S. senator tapping feet with another guy in the men's stall who was setting him up. Remember? Oh, you see? I did not remember that. Ah. Curtis, Curtis, I got to tell you, you know, your your plethora of knowledge is astounding to me. Because so, I had never heard about that. But uh, ironically, I, I thought of that. I came up with that. But listen. Keep up the great work, my brother. Thank I'm you, so proud. You. And Thank i got to tell you something. Thank you. Thank you. I really think New York missed out on not having you as our mayor. Now, uh, you I know, I, I'm disqualified now because I've never seen a barbecue in the subway system in New York. I, I, that, <laughs> I should disqual- that. that should disqualify me. I don't think it's a litmus test. <laughs> uh, I, I, George, I am very disappointed in myself. By the way, a little trivia here. 
what was it, Frank always said, oh, trivia doesn't lead to further discussion. Yes, it does, Frank. Who was that, I believe it was U.S. Senator. He was in the men's room at the Limburg Airport, not Limburger Cheese, uh, named after Limburg. Uh, the man who flew across the Atlantic, remember? I think it was from Garden City. I think I'm correct. That's where Greg Kelly was birthed and raised. Garden City to Gay Paris, remember? Uh, uh, the spirit of St. Louis, am I right? That's right. And they got it right there in the Minneapolis airport. But there was a U.S. senator in the men's stall, and he was tapping the, the shoes of another guy in the other men's stall. And he got cold busted. Um, he wasn't saying hello. He uh, was going trout fishing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Who was that? And boy, our friend there from uh, the North Shore of Staten Island was using those $5 words. I, I cold busted him. He used the word. You know, he, sounds good, right? And then I turned the tables on you and said, well, what the hell does that mean? Hyperbole. Hyperbole? Hyper. Hi. I can't even pronounce it. Never mind. Know what it means. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Classic. Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. By the way, uh, update on uh, Joe Rogan. Apparently, he's making $200 million from Spotify. Not $100 million. $200 million. As that controversy continues, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young versus Joe Rogan. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Calling all the way down from as far down as you can go in Florida, Key West, is Dan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dan. That's right, Curtis. The southernmost city of the United States. And the senator you're talking about is Henry High. No, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. But uh, before I correct you on that, Dan... Uh, what is it like living down in the Keys uh, as you go through the different seasons? Well, we don't really have seasons, but uh, last week we did have winter. It got down to 60 degrees. And got- my theory on Key West is where white trash meets artsy-fartsy. White trash meets artsy-fartsy. Uh, how, and how- I didn't ask what am I, and I ask them what day of the week is it. Right, now, and I'm originally, I'm originally from New York, Curtis. What brought you down to Key West? Um, came on a cruise ship, started staying at the, um, hotels and then started buying property up here in 2008. 
And a property now, if you were to put a property for sale, how quickly would it be snatched up? About a day or two. People <sighs> come down here and uh, some uh, place just sold $225,000 over asking price. I just bought uh, my fourth house down here in July. It, I got it uh, for $1.45 million. Zillow had it listed at $1.8. It, did, it was a private sale. How do you I get? To, I could flip it tomorrow for two million dollars. Wow. Now, how do you get insurance though? Because obviously, uh, hurricane uh, conditions uh, is hurricane insurance, uh, flood insurance, affordable? Flood insurance is very cheap. Wind insurance, if you have the uh, your roof up the code and the impact windows and the shutters, maybe about six thousand. But you add that Florida has no state income tax. All right. All right. So whatever you would spend on income tax in New York. You're saving in Florida. Not only that, uh, it's a sunshine state, so that people who are in double trouble, uh, white collar issues, uh, they can go down there, and that's like a sanctuary for them. Well, you look at it this way. I went to the supermarket in New York uh, two months ago, and a head of lettuce was five dollars. I went to the supermarket here last week. A head of lettuce is two twenty nine. Nah, and you got a lot of those fishing boats that leave there, right? We have the fishing boats, we have the sailboats, we have the dive boats. Um, we have a lot of tourists that come down. We rely on tourism. Yeah, well, there was, uh, when I was in Cuba, I was visiting uh, Havana, a guest of John and Margot Katsimatidis. They had been uh, asked by the uh, uh, archbishop uh, to put together a trip because the uh, Castro was building a basilica for the Greek Orthodox Church, trying to show he was open-minded to religions. And I said to John, hey, how many Cubans claim to be Greek Orthodox? Come on. But when I was walking around in Havana, I came across a whole group of doctors. I said, hey, guys, what are you doing here? They said, hey, what are you doing here? And meantime, they go down to the Keys they rent out a boat, go marlin fishing, but stop at the Hemingway port in uh, Havana, in Cuba, and they all have second families on the Cuban side. And I guarantee you those doctors, because my friend went to Cuba, and there was three cases of Budweiser beer and a $100 bill on each of those cases. One was for the Cuban Navy, one was the Cuban uh, Coast Guard, and one was the, uh, the medical uh, doctors. Right, so they do make that run from Key West. They do. It's about a six- to eight-hour run. Wow. And so uh, when is the top of your season when the tourists come down? Right now, between mm-hmm. January and April. You can rent a house here for twelve to $16,000 a month. Twelve to $16,000 a month you can rent a house there? Yep. That is incredible. I collected my rent in December, $48,000. Hmm. And a lot of folks coming down there from our neck of the woods, New York, Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. New York, Jersey, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Michigan, and Canada. Yeah, a lot of Canadians because they've taken over all the shuffleboard courts, uh, I noticed, down in Florida. Well, the Canadians can only stay for two months at a time. That's and it? And they have to go back. That's it. Wow. Even if they buy property? Yeah, even if they buy property. I knew a woman that had two houses, and she had to go back. She goes back and forth. You see, if you go to Hollywood, Florida, they fly more Canadian flags here than they do American flags because there's so many Canadians who own property there now. 
Yeah, we, what, what we're doing right now, we have a lot of New Yorkers coming down. I, I, I think we know why. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, 0% property, uh, uh, state income tax. Insurance is cheaper here, your car insurance. We don't have car inspections here. Um, registration, I have a Toyota, uh, $77 for two years. But I will tell you this, in uh, being in Florida a week ago, uh, the cars there, all different makes and models, all different years are cleaner there. I think the car washes do a hell of a lot better business down there than they do up here. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people, they, they wash their own cars. Yeah, no, everybody wants to have, no matter, it, it could look like a demolition derby reject. They want to have a nice, clean car. Up here, forget about it. You know, there's like well, uh, inches of dust and dirt and decay on your car. Well, I have a 2018 Toyota, and I don't even have 4,000 miles on it. Because in Key West, you can walk to everything. 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 And how long? How uh, wide is it, and how uh, uh, long is it? It's uh, one mile, a little over a mile and a half long, and four miles wide. Four miles wide and one and a half miles wide. God, you know, it reminds me a little bit. Not quite. You're, you're larger than that, but... If you're going out to Orchard Beach and all of a sudden you go out to City Island where all the lobster restaurants are, it sounds like something like that. Well, they say that Key West is the sister city of New Orleans. Oh, that means whatever happens in Key West stays in Key West. Nah, it, it, listen, uh, there's the quiet end of the island and then there's the, uh, the uh, rowdy end of the island. The decadent, the, the decadent and debaucherous uh, side of the island. Because, you know, in, in New Orleans, it's like Las Vegas. Whatever happens in uh, Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Same with New Orleans. It's Sin City. And let's face it, there are parts there, Key West, it's debaucherous. No, I wouldn't, uh, well, I will say for two weeks in October, we have something down here called Fantasy Fest. And it's where uh, anything goes. So you're talking S and M whips chains the whole nine yards. Uh, I I leave the, the island for that time, and I tell my management <laughs> companies, uh, do me a favor, don't wash the sheets afterwards, just burn them. <laughs> well, appreciate it, Dan from Key West, Florida. I'm sure a lot of other of our listeners are going to be heading down there now, if nothing more than for those two weeks of debauchery and decadence. What do you say, fantasy uh, by week or something? 1-800-848-9222. I had said what U.S. senator was in the men's room at the uh, uh, Minneapolis International uh, Airport, named after uh, the flyer of the spirit of St. Louis, Limbaugh, Limbaugh, Limburger. America first, sir, uh, who went on to meet with uh, Adolf Hitler and the Germans, didn't want us to get involved in the uh, European war, the Japanese war, along with Father Coughlin, who is from the Little Flower Parish uh, outside of Detroit, a virulent anti-Semite. He would have his weekly broadcast. That's when radio was king. Uh, Lindbergh, not so much. He wasn't... Uh, that uh, aggressive in terms of his promotion, but he was America's darling. He was uh, uh, the Prince of America. But unfortunately, he was involved with American firsters, 
And he had a love affair with Hitler and the Nazis, although he did serve in World War II against, I believe he fought against the Japanese. I'm not quite sure of that, but uh, he made amends. Who was that U.S. senator who was in that men's room who was tapping his feet against the feet of another man in the other stall and got cold busted? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jeff in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Jeff. Yeah, Curtis, the senator was Larry Craig of Idaho. That's right, Larry Craig. You couldn't Craig. be more hopelessly right. Yeah, but I think it was at Dulles Airport, not up not up uh, near him. I thought it was at Dulles. No, it was Minneapolis. I remember that. Okay. I've been in uh, okay, Lip- Lindbergh Airport that- many times, and I was wondering if anybody would tap my shoes uh, in the men's stall there. Yeah, and he tried to he tried to withdraw his plea, and uh, the judge wouldn't allow it, and I think he he just left the Congress. He was married and had kids and everything, you know? Yeah, I think he was arrested for indecent behavior in the men's yeah, something room. Like, something like that. They have a whole code of what the, what each tap means and all this stuff, you know. Yeah, imagine. Uh, imagine you decode the code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, that reminds me, uh, when you had uh, the governor in New Jersey who resigned, because he claimed that he resigned, he was a gay American. It had nothing to that do with was, him. Uh, that was, uh, what was his name? That was... Uh, see, see, see. See, uh, trivia does was, lead to further yeah, discussion. He, you know what he did? A, a duplicate title used to be $12 if you lost your title. The last day he was in office, he raised it to 60 bucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So if you lose your title, you got to pay 60 bucks. Originally, he, the mayor of... The guy, that's the guy that uh, named his boyfriend, his lover, to be Homeland Security Director. That's right. The guy was from Israel. The guy was from Israel. Yeah. Uh, he was originally uh, the mayor of Woodbridge. Uh, yeah. Then he rose through the ranks, uh, became governor of New Jersey, Jim McGreevy. McGreevy, yeah. Right, he was yeah. corrupt. Yeah, he was bad. He was bad. Hopelessly corrupt. <laughs> And he would go over to the Vince Lombardi rest stop, which, as you know, if you go north on the yeah, Jersey it, Turnpike, is yeah, on the way to the George Washington yeah. Bridge. Yeah. And he would tell the state troopers, drop me off here for a while. They say, Gov, please, you've done this before. You're leaving us out here for like an hour. You're going into the men's room. Come on. Somebody's going to find out and cold bust you. And he just yeah. thought he was impervious. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm just mad about that title because I did lose my title. I had to pay sixty bucks for a new one. <laughs> so that, that's your biggest beef in the world. Not that he was a crook as governor, but that you had to pay sixty dollars for your title, uh, whereas before it was twelve dollars, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow, man, Think they're all that. bad here. They're all bad here. All the governors. Well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, the Soprano State. Remember, you yeah, live in the Soprano State. I've always said that in New Jersey, when the politicians, whether they're like Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, or Jim yeah. McGreedy, that when no, they die, yeah. when they die of greed, you know, you go, you pay your respects at the wake. They can't close the casket because they're so crooked. And then when you get to the cemetery, you got to get a black and deck of power drill to drill them right into the ground. They're so crooked. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Democrat or yeah, Republican. No. 
Yeah, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. And I got to tell you, New York is worse. We've surpassed the Soprano State. Just look at Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, and his brother Fredo at their compound out there in the Hamptons. It's like uh, uh, Elba was for Napoleon plotting their return. Now that Joe Pococo, the leg breaker, the wartime consigliere, has returned from federal prison after doing a six-year bid for political corruption. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Randy in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Randy? Are you related to Slip Mahoney? Poor guy. Multiple personalities. Very difficult at times uh, for Steve from Manhattan to be himself. Used to be. Used to be, there was a time he would be proud to be Steve from Manhattan. In the age of Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, he would call up and then say, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan at the end of whatever he had to say. Now he's just afraid to be himself. Must be difficult. Anyway, let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? I'm a retired cop. I bumped into you here and there. I, was a, I started out in the early 80s, but uh, we would talk here and there. Of course, you don't remember. But anyway, uh, I wanted to tell you a quick story about uh, Governor McGreedy. Um, years ago, I had hit in Atlantic City on a slot machine for a nice amount. And I'm broke now. But one of the reasons is because of him. What happened was when his boyfriend, his cabana boy, started blackmailing him, I was on a list with a lot of people that had hit for money in New Jersey, and they were coming after me for taxes I didn't know, and for out-of-state taxes, being an out-of-state resident uh, and hitting, a non-resident, and they had me on this list because he had to pay all this money to the boyfriend that was blackmailing him, the one that he made in charge of Homeland Security and couldn't even speak English. Now, question, what uh, what casino did you uh, hit the, the slots? Well, you're not going to like this. I had hit on the, in the Trump Taj Mahal. And it paid out what? What did it pay out on that hit? It paid out a lot. It was a couple of, it was, it was around a couple of million. Wow. But you know what your problem was? There was a a vicious war going on between New York state and New Jersey. And I'll tell you what, uh, at that time, a little before Jim McGrady was governor, Mario Facha Bruta Como was upset that so many New Yorkers were going to buy their retail, their clothes, their apparel, their shoes in Jersey And then while in New Jersey, uh, getting the gas, because it was a lot cheaper, because it wasn't taxed. All the apparel wasn't taxed. The shoes weren't taxed. The Mm -hmm. furniture wasn't taxed. So he would position tax inspectors from Albany in the parking lot of the IKEA, the Swedish uh, furniture, uh, huge, uh, you know, box store. That's right on the New Jersey uh, uh, thruway, right near Newark Airport. And they would go into the parking lot as if they were at a wake of a mob guy, you know, checking license plate numbers. And if they they saw a New York plate there, they would charge you sales tax. 
I remember that. Yeah, even though they didn't even know what you bought. You know, they, yeah. it, it's like Con Ed. When they can't get into your basement, they send you an estimate. So Mario yep. Facha Bruta Cuomo had his tax agents from Albany send you an estimate of what they think you were buying in a Kia in New Jersey. That was crazy. So it became a battle. Jersey was battling for everything they felt was rightfully theirs. New York, likewise, and you got caught in the you got caught in the vice grip of Jim McGreevy. Right, uh, he destroyed me. I had to take it. I had to get the money out of there as fast as I could, and I had to hit on it. And he he wrecked me. Everyone else had left me alone, rightfully so. And because of that situation. That's what he did. Well, you see, and, uh, uh, your, your your success would have been if uh, you knew Merv Griffin. Oh, yeah, Merv Griffin. By the way, he's the one who came up with Jeopardy. Yeah, Merv Griffin came up with Jeopardy. The favorite program of Frank Morano and his wife, Rachel. The favorite program of uh, Bernard McGurk, who is recovering from stage four uh, prostate cancer as we speak with his wife, and so many others who run home. They got to watch, uh, you know, Jeopardy, Jeopardy, Jeopardy. Now with Jennings. That was actually created, I'm pretty sure, by Merv Griffin. And didn't he have a casino? Pretty sure Merv Griffin had a casino. Uh, what casino did Merv Griffin own? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And what other game shows? Was Merv Griffin responsible for and creating? Because at one time, it seemed like he had created every game show on TV. By the way, uh, when uh, he had me on his show, remember it used to be on at night, Channel 5, the Merv Griffin show? Who did he have that uh, Chara on? Hey, Merv, 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 Chara, who the hell was that? Remember that woman? She must have been like 128 years old, but she was like a Spanish bombshell. He had me on, uh, they had a special program that week from Lincoln Center. Uh, and man, the guy was like hitting on me. Merv Griffin, he said, oh, you ever in Atlantic City? Uh, no, no, not really, Merv. He goes, yeah, I like what you do. You know, when you, you come to Atlantic City, you got to come see me. You know, and then he gave me his number and everything. I'm like, whoa, who knew? And then I think I was on with that chara. That buxom beauty, her tush uh, was like uh, a mile wide. Uh, she, I think she was a, a Spaniard, maybe not, maybe from Venezuela, Mexico. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Joyce had that heavy, thick accent. Did that with Johnny Carson, too. Johnny, 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 Johnny. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
this is a song about cheating, 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 cheating. But it's also a remake of an Elton John song. Elton John, sort of like the, um, I'm thinking of, oh, I'm thinking of, he was at the piano, he was from Milwaukee. Oh, he was the number one variety show star in the 50s. He was a mama Luke, a mama's boy, pretended that he had a girlfriend. Who am I talking about? More trivia here, ladies and gentlemen, because when you think of Elton John, you had to think of him. And by the way, you also had to think of Merv Griffin. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As the trivia is coming out fast and furiously. But maybe it's sort of like uh, Jeopardy, right? I mean, think about it. Jeopardy, they give you the answer, and then you have to ask the question. It's sort of like reverse osmosis. So you have to, they give you the answer, and then you have to respond with the question. Hmm. And how many people out there, their dream in life is to be... An answer on Jeopardy, right? That's happened to me a few times. A few times. Not necessarily my name always. One time my name, one time the Guardian Angels. And then I hit to Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta the other day. Unfortunately for me, it was the uh, College Bowl. You know, all these so-called brainiacs. I don't know if they were from Harvard, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, Maybe some of you avid watchers of Jeopardy can tell me which collegiate participants were in the Jeopardy, the College Bowl Jeopardy, that my name surfaced in. In fact, Izzy, let's go to the audio tape so we can remind everybody out there. Can I get recent news for 400, please? Eric Adams bested Curtis Sliwa in this city's 2021 mayoral race. That city is New York City. How the hell could they, How did they not know that? How did these young huckleberries and huckleberryettes not know that? Uh, first off, ladies and gentlemen, please, I need to know specifically the specifications of which colleges I can make fun of, which universities that were participating in the College Bowl of Jeopardy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. What was it? Kennesaw State University? One of these oblique universities or colleges out there? I seem to remember watching a Jeopardy where a guy, one of the winners, had a mohawk. He won a few contests. Am I right about that? What do they have, like 8,000 episodes? 8,000 episodes. You give your, your answers are given first, then the contestants apply the questions. Started in 64, I was 10 years old on NBC, the Nincompoop Broadcasting Company, right? Channel 4 here locally. And these so-called college elite in the college bowl section, the college championship, could not get that answer? I want to know what colleges they were from. I know it wasn't Kennesaw State University or Bowling Green or colleges. Uh, it wasn't from Kingsborough Community College. I can assure you that. They would have nailed that. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As the trivia is coming fast and furiously. By the way, that reminds me. Can you imagine if there was a Jeopardy question involving Sid Rosenberg? I mean, come on. Sid Rosenberg is the I and me guy here at WABC. If it ain't about Sid Rosenberg, it don't count. In fact, listen to our own Greg Kelly, who's got a great program you can hear every Monday through Friday from 1 to 3. He's got attention deficit disorder, which makes for a great talk show host. And he digresses constantly and did so over a Sid Rosenberg promo. Speaking of uh, commercials for shows... Sid Rosenberg is on our morning show, of course, and uh, he's been pushing his podcast. I must say the commercials have worked because I'm intrigued. The commercial itself, though, just might be a little over the top. What do you think? I love Sid, but you got to hear this. All right. Now, uh, go ahead. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Citizens United. With Sid Rosenberg. Citizens United is my podcast. Okay. I'm Sid Rosenberg. And I'm famous. Every really? Every week I talk entertainment, housewives, sports, and more. It's the greatest video podcast you've ever seen. Why? Because it stars me. All right. <laughs> it sounds crazy. He's <laughs> I'm famous. I, I don't know. Is he? I mean, I, I know who he is. Like people do. <laughs> Sounded really insane. Uh, All right. That's got to be one hell of a podcast with a lead up like that. Could you imagine if Sid Rosenberg were ever an answer on Jeopardy? We'd never hear the end of it. We'd hear about it one week, two weeks, a month, two months, a year, two years. It would be constant, nonstop. He'd be like a peacock strutting his stuff around the studio here at WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike calling all the way from Western Kentucky. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mikey. Yo, boss. Hey, I wanted to check in and uh, say I think you were talking about Charo on Merv Griffin and that I think he made high rollers. That's right, Charo, Charo. Charo. Yeah, she used to dance. I don't know. I thought she was a Portuguese lady when I was a kid. I'm 58 years old. But I think he uh, created High Rollers, one of my favorite shows, had Alex Trebek as a host. Okay, now hold on, Chad. Let's deal with Chato first. So you think she was from Portugal? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I think so. Spain or Portugal. All right. Uh, we'll, bounce that off. we'll bounce that off on many listeners. I'm sure if I were in the Ironbound section of Newark, which is all Portuguese, they would know for sure. <laughs> But I, I lived in uh, Edgewater for a while, Curtis. I but, lived in Edgewater. Oh, Edgewater. That's all Japanese there with sushi and sashimi. Yeah, yeah. Tell bro. That's right. But now, you you said you thought you knew the piano player that I was referring to, right? Yeah, I thought uh, my, the first thing that came to mind was Liberace, but then I changed my mind a little, Richard. You were right the first time. All right. Liberace it is. Liberace was birthed in Milwaukee. When I was right when I was organizing the Guardian Angels in Milwaukee, the mayor was a, a socialist and the uh, police commissioner was a right-wing reactionary. Both of them wanted me locked up and sent out of Milwaukee. But I remember wow. the interview I had there uh, on their number one talk show I uh, uh, station. I forget the call letters. 
was the home of Liberace. They said he used to come in there and do interviews, and it was like wall-to-wall fans. Women who thought that he was actually heterosexual that wanted to be his girlfriend. Oh, my grandmother was over the moon for the guy. I was like five years old. I seen him on uh, TV a few times. I used to watch the Mike Douglas show and this sort of thing. And yes. you know, Curtis, about that Ikea on the throughway by uh, the airport, uh, me and my girlfriend used to eat up there, the Swedish meatballs up there in the cafeteria. <laughs> and when you looked out that window, you could see the planes coming like they were coming right at the building, like right at the building, you know. That's right. You love those uh, Swedish meatballs. They give you an Ikea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came in a they came in a flat box with instructions. You couldn't put them together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But you know, a very liberal, progressive company, IKEA, very oh, liberal. Yeah. Oh yeah, very yeah, yeah. progressive. Was uh, quite the quite the guy in Sweden, and his whole deal was, you know, you can tell when you start getting into the deal where you got to flat pack your entire house to fit in your Volvo. Uh, you know, and I had a 70 Volvo one time, and believe it or not, they made those things where the seats lied flat so you could sleep in them. You know, they actually had disc brakes in the rear and drum brakes. Now, like they're totally you, over the top. You remember their famous com- uh, commercial was the uh, crash dummy test where the Volvo crashes into a wall and you see the crash dummy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. which guy who was the crash dummy went on to become a big star in Hollywood? That was his first break, was to be uh-huh. a crash dummy in the Volvo commercial in which the uh-huh. Volvo hit the wall, I mean, full speed, and the crash dummy was like, did not bang his head up against the window. Oh, uh, was it uh, Super Dave Osborne? No, 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 no. This is this is this is a difficult trivia one. This will lead to a lot of discussion. Uh, there were many guys in Hollywood who were desperate for work. They would tell their agents at I think it was CCAS, some uh, firm like that. I'll do anything. I'll do anything to break into uh, TV or the movies. I will not be a crash dummy uh, for Volvo commercials. See this? Oh, this? I know they filmed it at that stage. I know they filmed it at the consumer safety, the, the real deal. Yeah, man, this you is know, really they... straining your brain. By the way, Mike, which oh. part of West Ken, uh, West Ken, Western Kentucky do you live in? Uh, I live in uh, Eddyville, Curtis. I live in Eddyville about uh, 40 minutes from Paducah, Kentucky. We just had a, a tornado rip through here about a, a, on 11 December. Paducah, um, Kentucky. Yeah, we we uh, Paducah, Kentucky is uh, the home of Albin Barkley, was the vice president to uh, Harry Truman. So I live on Lake Barkley here. Wow. Now, the by the way, uh, we were talking about Kentucky, uh, you know, the generational gap between your senators, Mitch McConnell, who loves his bourbon. He's like a fishing <laughs> yeah, yeah. bourbon. And then Rand Paul, who loves to smoke the number one cash crop in Kentucky, which is marijuana. Yeah, you tell he doesn't comb his hair. Oh, because he's too busy uh, separating seeds from stems from the product. (laughs) His dad's a real ringer. Oh, you know, Ron Paul, believe it or not, I debated Ron Paul on a nationally syndicated TV program there uh, that used to be on the superstation, WWOR Channel 9. Let's see if anybody happens to remember that famous debate between me and... And Ron Paul, when he was running for the presidency as an independent candidate, independent candidate, uh, Mike. Wow. 
Wow, wow. I, you know, I was going to ask you, Curtis, just so you just jogged my memory. Were you ever on a, a Morton Downey Jr. show? That's the show that I debated Ron Paul on. You yeah, man. bro. You, yeah. win, you win all the, yeah. cur- the Curtis Sliwa booby prizes. Now, you, you, you know yeah. what you get. You know what you get, Mike, because you, you are a, a plethora of information. I will send you my belly button lint. I will hermetically seal it in an envelope. Uh, and then I will send it to you, COD, in oh. Western Kentucky. Oh, See? Is, is that not a great booby prize? You're the only yeah. person who have Curtis Lee with belly button lint. You're classic. You're classic, bro. Now, now, Mike, you are now just imagine. Something. You're one of my heroes. Listen, you're 10 years older than me, right? Yes. I was born in 64. Yes. And uh, so, like, I moved to Chicago, uh, from Chicago to 12, when I'm 12 years old, I go to this Tony uh, part of Marin County, California, and the place is nuts. So, backing up in the show, I'll tell you, like, I'm 14 and 15, and I go see the Sex Pistols when they come to San Francisco, and I'm in San Francisco a lot as a teen. And getting back on that, like, LGB2A3 turbo platinum issue, uh, you know, I grew up... Only knowing queer covers the whole thing. Queer is the umbrella that covers it all. You know, and I'm a straight guy, and I'm, you know, to try to stand up for anybody. Like, when I first saw you, Eva, uh, I just wanted to, like, ride the muni bus and, like, stick up for people. Yeah, well, you so know, Mike, I, uh, when, I first, Navy. when I first came in San Francisco to organize the Guardian Angels, I was invited into the Castro because they were yeah, yeah. bashing gays. So I go to meet at the time with the mayor who is Diane Feinstein, believe it or not. She yeah, has right. a one-on-one meeting with me with the press there, and she goes, let me tell you something. You're not coming in here on Polk Street and hanging bodies from the telephone poles like posse comitatus, like the vigilantes at the turn of the century in San Francisco. I said, lady, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, boss, listen, she was a jerk. I lived in Stinson Beach, California, and she's got a house there in the gated part of Seadrift community. That's right. By the way, by the way, uh, you were in Marin County, right? Yeah, I lived in uh, Marin County in San Rafael, California. All right, another another question uh, for you, another trivia question. Which infamous prison is in Marin County, one of the wealthiest counties in America? My man Bubba, Bubba uh, worked there. He was a flat track racer in San Jose. He became a guard at San Quentin. Yes! Oh, my God. You're you're amazing. And by the way, Marin County had more hot tubs than any other county in the United States. It seemed everybody had a hot tub in their backyard. Curtis, when I was in high school, Neil Schoen... The guitar player for Journey was always hitting on girls my age. He wound up marrying my middle school girlfriend, Beth Buckley, and having two kids with her. We grew up around Steve Miller, Commander Cody, the Grateful Dead, uh, the, the Butterfield uh, Bloomfield, uh, my Butterfield Blues Project and the producers. You know, it was just a weird place to wind up in as a kid from Chicago. Normally, right, you're out in Marin County, you're in that area, East Bay, Bay Area, you're over in San Francisco. How the hell did you end up in Western Kentucky with the hillbillies and the bluegrass music? Okay, so listen to this. My fourth great-grandfather was an eight-year-old drummer boy in the Revolutionary War. He was the youngest, uh, in, he was the youngest conscripted, conscripted little guy. 
in the Revolutionary War. And so he's buried over here in this land between the lakes. And uh, I I came back uh, to here because I was a truant in San Francisco, and they sent me here to high school to finish high school in 81. And uh, I joined the Navy from here, and uh, I met a, I came back here because my grandma was here, and I met a girl from here, and I married her. And uh, I stayed a little bit. I got divorced, and then I went back to California. And then I moved with a girlfriend from California in 99, to Edgewater, New Jersey, and then I became a shop manager at a motorcycle shop in Lodi, New Jersey, right behind Satin Dolls, where they used to film The Sopranos. And by I the way, Mike, so uh, let me let me uh, stop. You know, Satin Dolls is uh, the strip club right next to our Tower of Power, the fifty thousand powerful watches sound at WABC uh, in Lodi. Are you serious? Right off Route Seventeen, I worked on Robinson Road in Route Seventeen South. And yep. I was uh, out by the Meadowlands, and it took, you know, I rode my motorcycle almost year-round to go to work at this uh, cycle connection shop. And then, but I, I took the ferry boat, uh, what's the ferry that leaves, like, it's halfway to Hoboken, by me in Edgewater. And I used to go uh, to New York. I worked at the shop, the Ducati shop that was next door to Crunch Fitness on 9th and 41st Street. Wow, that's amazing. So coming yeah. back from uh, the Bay Area to Western Kentucky was almost like outward bound for you because you were a juvenile delinquent in the San Francisco area. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's that's an incredible story. Yeah, I got hit by the second day I was here. I was on my 10-speed bike. I got hit by a half a can of beer uh, thrown from a pickup truck at me. And uh, I uh, made a, a pretty good eye on that truck and those individuals, and uh, I made that right. And then uh, – Now, the way you said you made it right, what do you mean? You, you slashed the tires? What did you do? I waited till I saw the guy that was the passenger that threw the beer at me at the local quick pick, and I stood him up on it. And like, cause I was – you know, I was like a grown man – I was like ready to go in the Navy when I was eight in the eighth grade. No, no, that that's I good. Was, you you wouldn't forgive, you wouldn't forget, and naturally you evolved from a ten speed English racer to what a Harley, a Triumph, what? I'm outside in the full moonlight looking at my O four Road Glide, bro. Oh, <laughs> my God. Look at this, man! You you're like you're like a roadmap to America. This is like uh, Route sixty six. I've been on Route 66, Highway 50. I've been all over the place. Curtis, I, I I was in the Navy. I was a cryptologist and an electronic warfare guy. I got out of that, and I climbed telephone poles and towers all over the country. And uh, I retired when I was 46 years old, and I hung out in California a little bit longer, and then I came here. About the know, only person you didn't meet, going on. the only person you didn't meet was Charlie Manson. Never met Charlie Manson. <laughs> yeah, that's about the only person you haven't met in your life. Oh, my God. Met a lot of people. Met a lot of people. Uh, met uh, met, se- met Senator Patrick Moynihan three times, once on a Navy ship when that knucklehead sat down next to us when he was touring. <laughs> uh, I was on the I was on the third Aegis cruiser ship. Now, what, was, he, was he half in the bag? Did he have the rum rouge and the Jake leg? I thought he had the tapping foot thing you were talking about earlier, like the senator. Yeah, he kind of creeped me out. <laughs> and then, uh, and so like, and then I, I'm in uh, New York, and I go. Uh, he's at the Javits Center, and we're setting up for a motorcycle show at the Javits Center. 
which was kind of weird. Uh, and then I'm on the tour, Grayline tour bus. Got my mom out there from California going on the Grayline tour bus. And I turn around and he's there and he remembers who I am. <laughs> like, because I don't age or something oh. like this. <laughs> Uh, but really weird dude. Really weird dude. <laughs> Man, you Patrick Moynihan on your, on your jockstrap, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, yeah. you got to understand, Patrick Moynihan grew up dirt poor. He went to Benjamin Franklin High School in East uh, Harlem. He had no shoes when he was a kid, believe it or not. Wow. He was that poor. He wow. had no shoes. Uh, became very well-educated, erudite, well-spoken, but definitely a lush. Half in the bag before 12 noon. In fact, if you oh, lit a match, yeah. if you lit a match around him, you would have both been blown up to kingdom come. That's how much I of a lush he that. was. I, I never thought of that, but that, that, that time he was on the Valley Forge, Curtis, that, I totally see that now. Yep, yep. That's I'm amazing. Your, your wealth of information, Mike, feel free in the future to give a call. And you see, wait a second. This is proof positive. Frank Morano claims that trivia does not lead to further discussion, right? The guy from West Kentucky there proves, proves we had at least like a 10, 15-minute conversation based on the fact that he nailed, like, three trivia questions. Three. He scored the trifecta, the trinity, the troika, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. And when I told him what the booby price was, don't ask, don't tell, I'm so cheap, I throw nickels around like manhole covers, that I would take my belly button lint that few people in the world have ever had access to, and I would hermetically seal it in an envelope and send it to him in Paducah, West Kentucky, by COD. He didn't blink. He didn't hesitate. He thought, oh, that's great. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Jay and Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Jay. Good morning, Curtis. You're the best. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I watch uh, Wheel of Fortune every day. Every day. And Merv, Griff- Merv Griffith is the one that created Wheel of Fortune. All right, now explain to me what happened the other night. Apparently, Pat uh, Sajak walked off the stage because uh, three nights in a row, the people yeah, had— Somebody won 100000 Each night, they won 100000 I saw he would look funny the way he walked off. Well, you would have you right, thought it was his money, right? The way he, his expression was, it wasn't happy. It had to be his money. You see, that's what it had to be. It was probably he had to vouch for the hundred thousand each night, three times in a row, a hundred thousand dollars. I can't. I can't believe that he he's into that. Well, he was a a crabby crumb cake. Wow, you, I got another thing for you now. Before you know, we, Carol? before you, yeah, before you go to that, Vanna White, what was the look on her face? Because she never changes her look. Well, no, she seemed like she was happy that the contestant won the 100000 Wow. She seemed okay, but his expression walking off. Well, you know what You know what it was similar blank. to, uh, 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 Jay? The other night, Frank Morano, last week, he had two persons back-to-back, belly-to-belly, who won the $1,000 prize in that scam of a contest he runs, you know, where you have to get yeah. 10 answers yeah. in 60 seconds. 
Yeah, I, I listened to him too. Right. He got two in a row. They won $1,000. And then the next thing, he had to go on Highland Boulevard and get a payday loan because oh, it came shit. out of his pocket. Because, you know, he's missed the oh. big stuff. Who do you think I am? Uh, he's offering $1,000 that he didn't have. That's unbelievable. Yeah, payday loan. You know what the VIG is on a payday loan? Well, the VIG, yeah, it must be a lot of money. Oh, you might as well go to the Bonanno crime family and get a loan. My God. <laughs> Holy shit. But, but see, that's what Frank gets for shooting his mouth off, acting like Mr. Big Stuff, you know, like he he had all the money in the world to give out. Two two um, nights in a row. Crazy. Now, that, that, that three nights of 100000 I've oh. never seen that before. Oh, yeah, you see, Pat Sage, he acted like it was his money. He acted like it was his money. He he was uh, the facial expression on him was like angry. Well, if you if it was your money, you'd probably be angry too. <laughs> yeah, I got another thing. Yes, you know Charo. Oh, Charo. Ch- Ch- Charo, she was married to a famous band leader. Oh, definitely. I don't can I don't know his name, the band leader, but she was definitely married to a famous. Bandy, the Cuban. Oh, not Ricky Ricardo. No, 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 no. She was married to a real, genuine, famous bandy. Now, Jay, where was her country of origin? Uh, Charo, uh, Charo might have might have been she from Spain. All right, all right. So, Spain? you guess, you guess, Spain. The question for all of our listeners out there is: Charo was from what country? And what famous band leader was she married to? Uh, Jay believes that he was from Cuba, but he has ruled out Ricky, Ricardo, who, if you remember, was the band leader married to Lucille Ball from upstate New York, who was a registered American communist. You never found that out. And then they became the co-owners of Desilu Productions, which had as many productions in place on TV as Merv Griffin had, except those were mostly, if I remember, Desi Lu, uh, dramatic productions and sitcoms. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. of my life I'm a lot like you were Old man look at my life I'm a lot like you were Old man look at my Oh, Neil Young classic from old Canada. Father Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but this was his single classic. Old man. We're going to be talking about the Canadian Freedom Convoy up in the next hour. But nobody has yet guessed which hotel and casino Merv Griffin owned and ran in Atlantic City. Oh, man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you. No, I was 
not a lot like Merv Griffin. The update in the battle of Neil Young versus Spotify versus Joe Rogan. Apparently, Joe Rogan makes $200 million from Spotify now. And that generational battle continues. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And the trivia is coming fast and furiously. Let's go to Vincennes. Vincent in Brooklyn, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vincennes. Hello, Curtis. Yes, Vinny. Charo was married to Xavier Cougat. Xavier Cougat. And Xavier Cougat was from what country? He was a, a little, probably Cuba. Huh. I don't really know that, is it? All right. So Xavier Cougat, we think, was from Cuba. That's how she became very famous. And she's going Johnny Carson, all the other shows. And Merv Griffin. That's I ain't I'm going to leave you in two minutes, two seconds, about that one. I remember when he had the casinos in Atlantic City. And I said, obvious answer. Anyway, sir, you he, have a good rest of the night. Yeah, well, wait, Vinny, do you remember which casino he had? No. Well, you know what I wanted to talk to you about? Yes. Was uh, growing up in the in the New York area in the summers with a Goodyear blimp flying over. Oh yeah. Anyway, that is the night that the sun would go down. And then you see the blimp flying over, and then the other things, the Johnny pumps with the cans. That's right. But I think the Goodyear blimps were stored at Floyd Bennett Field. I think that's why we saw them flying around our area. Probably, probably right in Brooklyn. I didn't realize. People that lived up in up in Manhattan, up in Bronx and Queens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I stand to be corrected if anybody out there actually knows where they were stored. And then, of course, the Johnny Pumps. Uh, although, if you were to tell people yeah. a Johnny yeah. Pump, uh, if you would the cops would come. The cops would come. Yep. Everybody get out of here. And then, then they turned it off, and the big guys came out and turned it on, and it went on all day. And that was what it was like growing up in the city. Yep. Yep. Nowadays, they'd have a, a heart attack if you crack the uh, Johnny Pump open oh. to uh, sort of cool you off in the summer because they'd say, oh, it's a danger if a fire comes on this block. Well, the back- yep. I, I never forget going back in my house later that night, and there was no pressure on the, the sinks. No pressure. And yeah, that- you turn the sink on, and you know what they were trying to They were kind of right what they were saying. And what about the, the, what about the turlet? Uh, did the turlet go round and round? Yeah, yeah, I went the opposite way. That's right. Now, you know what you used the turlet for on a hot, sweltering night in a tenement when there was no air conditioning? Well, I know what my mother used to give me. She used to put a pot of water next to me, cold water, with a rag in it. Yeah, well, that was, uh, that was uh, what my grandfather did uh, about age. Back in the 60s. Yeah, he had a, a brick of ice in front of him because, uh, remember, the Bades used to be Iceman, and he'd have a fan, and it would blow that cold air right at him. But, How about this one? Yes. I, people, uh, relatives of mine, would point the fan out. They said, oh, it takes the heat out. Mm. You open one window on the side, and it blows. It didn't work. It mm. didn't have, <laughs> have anything possibly. But well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my grandfather told me, hey, t- take, your, take your shoes and socks off, put your feet in the turlet, and flush it a few times, 
and it was like a whirlpool because the water was cold. And if your yeah. feet were cold, your whole body got to be cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that the this when I said to you before about put a pot of water next to the bed with a rag, and I would wake up. I was a kid, didn't have no fan. When I had a fan later on. I had a fan. Oh man! And what? then uh, you would uh, wake up, squeeze the rag out, and then just brush it all on your head and go back to sleep. Now, can you imagine this generation now, Vincennes? Oh, we got to have air conditioning. got to have central air. What are you talking about? Sometimes you'd be living in a tenement. Your bacouse, your turlet was at the end of the hallway. You had to share it with other people, other tenants. Yeah, no, you didn't have your own turlet. And it was a turlet, you know. 1-800-848-9222. We still haven't gotten the answer of what hotel and casino that Merv Griffin owned in Atlantic City. 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joey. Curtis, it was uh, Showboat Casino. Showboat Casino. Okay, okay. Also, uh, Charo, she's from Spain. All right, Charo's from Spain. Uh, do we know where Xavier Cougat, the band leader, was from? I think Cuba. All right, my you think? All, my father used to have all his albums. And I remember as a kid when Charo used to come on TV, my parents would laugh. I was like five, six years old. And I was like mesmerized by her moving her hips and stuff. That's right. She was, uh, I mean, hot to trot. She was a bombshell. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. I remember going uh, to Atlantic City right before Showboat closed up at the casino. And uh, that was a really pretty uh, nice casino. She wasn't going to run into Murano down there. Nah, Frank Murano, he's the penny slots. You know, penny slots. (laughs) Uh, any way that he can get over in Atlantic City. He loves Atlantic City, but he loses. And then, you know, he, he, he comes back to Staten Island. He can barely pay the toll over the Outer Bridge Crossing before he gets to the South Shore. <laughs> How's yeah. everything going tonight, Curtis? Another great show. Well, well thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, that's my goal is to keep everybody wide awake and bushy-tailed. They can't go to sleep until 6, and then they moan and groan because they'll be, like, tired all day, and they'll say, that blankety-blank sleeper kept me up until 6 o'clock this morning. Well, I'm glad you're keeping me up because I'm working right now. Uh, like I said, uh, last night I saw you on uh, uh, Waters World. That's your- Waters. That's right. Uh, earlier this week, well, actually, early in the evening, I was on Waters World talking about this woman, Michelle. She's a Target girl. Ninety-six times she's gone into Target and clipped the retail, the apparel, uh, and then yeah. also gotten the Tide because you know Tide is like currency out in the street. If you can clip some Tide from a retail store, you get instant cash in the street. Yeah, my wife was like, oh, look, your friend from WABC's on the radio. So, yeah, you were really good on that. I actually caught you on Gutfeld a couple of weeks ago also. You, you, you know, you really did a good job on that show, too. Some of those women on that show, not on to me. That's right. Oh, man. You wonder how they fit in their dresses. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, well, you know, that's all, that's always been the attraction, some of the attraction of Fox Roger Ailes. By the way, it was Roger Ailes 
who was the uh, producer of What Afternoon Talk Show? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But part of the success of Fox, Roger Ailes, was he would always have women with long legs, short skirts, long legs, so that even if you weren't interested in the conversation that they were having in the Fox News channel, guys' eyeballs would be glued to those legs. Uh, I call it the GAM channel. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeff calling from Verona. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Yeah, Curtis, the uh, the the uh, casino that Merv Griffin on was, was uh, resorts. So it wasn't showboat. No, it's Resorts Casino. I looked it up. Wow. So here it is. Uh, our previous caller was working in Ronkonkomo, went to the Showboat Casino and thought it was Merv Griffin's casino. No, no, no. Resorts. He sold it to somebody somebody bigger even. I don't know who it was, though. Ah, that's incredible. And then think of all the TV <laughs> programs he produced, plus he owned the casino. Incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he had the uh, early evening show with Charo and everybody else on Channel 5 and tried to hit on me when I was a guest on that show. Yeah, well, he was a little light in the loafers. We know that, you know. Very light in the loafers. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is incredible. This is like memory lane. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hey, Kurt, listen, Xavier Cougat, okay, real quick, uh, he was born in Spain, he grew up in Cuba. Ah, so he was just... And listen, yes. listen to this. Yes. The guy was so hot-blooded. He was married first to Abby Lane. Ah, Abby Lane, okay. Oh, my God, was she hot. Then he uh, then he went on to Charo. Well, wait a second. That's not necessarily a downgrade there. No, no, no. I'm not saying that that is. But the winning that he had, no wonder he lived so he was like 90 years old. All right. So Xavier Cougat, birthed in Spain, goes to Cuba, hooks up with That's- Abby Lane first. That's his first wife. And then yeah. the bombshell, Chero. Yeah. Wow. Coochie, coochie. That's right, coochie, coochie. Oh, man. What, I'm telling you, she came out. I don't know how she fit in her dresses. The, the dog, the way you ever see her dog, he would walk and his ass would actually wiggle. <laughs> Just like she did. Remember? Coochie, coochie. You see, uh, if you were talking to Frank Morano right now, he'd say, wait a second. Uh, I, I, I don't remember any of that, right? He, he wouldn't. You know, if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't uh, <laughs> Al Jolson or Eddie Cantor, or Brother Can You Spare a Dime, you know, it wouldn't resonate with him. You see, that's why this is different. This other side of Midnight is so different than Frank Morano's. 
you know, it's like 52 guests in like four hours. It's like enough already. The, the callers are what make a show. The call, You, the callers. And many of you never knew you could call up a talk radio program because you have the same old, same old callers the rest of the day. Uh, and yet this gives you the opportunity to maybe call for the first time. Break your virginity. That's right. You no longer have to be a virgin caller. What you have to do is call through. And if you notice, if you have things that are interesting to say, I let you experience blabbervosia verbosa. You can talk on and on and on. I'll go out, get a sandwich, go around the block, come back, and you'll still be talking. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Victor, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vic. Uh, good morning, uh, Curtis. Uh, some trivia about uh, Xavier Cougat. Oh. Uh, he was a violinist who played in the Anson Weeks Orchestra back in the early 1930s. Mm. And the photo I have of him back in 1932, he was was bald at that time. And when you saw him on TV, he had his own TV show in the early 50s, Abby Lane, whose real name is Abigail Lassman from Brooklyn. But that being said, uh, all of a sudden he, um, he, he showed up on TV with hair. Uh, but he was bald back in the early 30s. Wait a second. So he had, he had a rug. Yep. You now, got it. Now, back then, the rugs weren't all that good, right? You, you, uh, you have only to look at the Three Stooges. <laughs> now, by the way, this is, this is a... a <laughs> Curtis, you got to hear... You gotta, that's a good one. Wait, wait. You got to hear this one. Yes. Al Jol- this is a true story. Yes. Al Jolson in 1925 was invited to the White House when Coolidge was president. And he was eating dinner with Coolidge and his wife, Grace. And Jolson turns to Coolidge uh, three quarters of the way through the meal. And he says, you know, your dog must really like me. He's been licking my hand all night long. And Grace Coolidge turned to Jolson and says, maybe if you used a knife and a fork when you ate, that wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Oh, you know, you see, now a story like that would bring bring great knockers to Frank Morano because he'd say, oh, my hero, Al Jolson. Yeah, I've I've got all his recordings from the uh, Jolson's recordings from the twenties. Oh, he's going to be Frank's going to be banging at your door. He's going to be over at your house. And well, Joe, Joe I brought some un, unissued uh, uh, Jolson material to Joe Franklin and uh, to to his office. Oh, do you realize and, that Frank Morano was uh, was his number one fan of uh, 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 Joe Franklin? In fact, he was the king of clutter. The king of clutter. You, you don't have to tell me. I was in the office three times. If he, if he could find any piece of paper in that office that he was looking for, you, you, you'd have to go through. Uh, you talk about buried treasures. I mean, the, 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 the office was a kaleidoscope of chaos. Totally. In fact, when I was there, Frank actually brought me there. He was very good friends with Joe Franklin. Uh, and he would say, Joe. What about this magazine from 1948? Joe would reach into the pile of flotsam and jetsam and pull the magazine out, and you'd say, how the hell did he know that magazine was there? You got it. You got it. He he, he remembered a lot of voices and a lot of faces. 
But uh, now, now let me ask you a question, Victor. If you had a choice, one choice alone, uh, and you were offered for one night, one night alone, either Abby Lane or Charo, what would your choice be? Charo, because Abby Lane, I, I, and I know my best friend who was in the first Marine Division in Korea, and uh, his brother was the uh, agent for uh, Xavier Kugat. Uh, and the, they were driving Abbey Lane and, and Cougat to uh, uh, some uh, theater. And Abbey, Abbey Lane was a real bee. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, and uh, Cougat kept saying to uh, 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 my friend's brother, he says, you have to remember, she's a local girl. Don't worry, she's a local girl. But she was a, a bone buster. <laughs> well, that's good. She was from Brooklyn, Victor. Aren't they all? 1-800-848-9222. Now, wait a second. Out of all the women I was married to, yeah, my first wife was from Brooklyn. Corinne Drayton. Uh, the rest, no. They were not Brooklyn. Too many from Jersey. Oh, my. Oh. E, Oradell, Little Cul-de-Sac, Ridgewood with the Duck Pond. All in Bergen County. What a mistake that was crossing the GW Bridge. Need I uh, need I say more? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Chris, who is calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, Curtis, how are you? Uh, hold on a second, Chris. Uh, we got to slap some sensibility into you, ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to be a caller. And hopefully many of you will break that Maginot line and call for the very first time at one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Three things you never do. Never ask me how I'm doing because I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, Chris, Kabish. Okay. Understood. You got it. You got it. I am a first-time caller. I'm a big fan of you, Curtis, for many years. Used to live and work in New York City. And I listen to you uh, on my work van in between jobs. I fix phones in New York City. But the reason why I'm calling, I just want to confirm it is resorts. uh, Because uh, about 20 years ago, maybe, a friend and I uh, applied to become contestant on Jeopardy. And you get invited down to Merv Griffin Resorts. And you take some tests, and while you wait for them to call your name, they tell you, uh, you know, go enjoy the casino, and when you hear your name announced, come back to this room. And I just thought it was kind of a win-win for Merv Griffin because he owned the TV show and he owned the casino. Wow. And so uh, you and your friend tested out for Jeopardy. About how many people were testing out with you? About Probably about, about 15 in that room. It was essay questions. And it was pretty difficult. The show seemed easier. Now, question. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't pass. All right. Question is, uh, do you know who actually made the grade and ended up getting onto the program? I couldn't tell you. In that room, we met a few people that got pretty far. Uh, They passed the test but failed the interview. And my friend was the reason I went down. He's a very smart, (laughs) trivia-minded friend of mine. And even he didn't get the 10 questions correct. I just went for the fun of it. Wow. So they asked 10 questions. Did you have to answer in 60 seconds? I I don't remember. I think it was maybe they gave you about 10 minutes, maybe. 
Well, yeah, because I have a feeling that's where Frank Morano ripped off his scam uh, contest that he uh, runs 4.30 every morning in which you have to get 10 answers in 60 seconds and you can win $1,000. That's probably where he stole the idea from. I, I Maybe. I, I do listen to Frank as well because I right now I, I retired from fixing phones in New York City and I'm now a dice dealer at the uh, Resorts World in Monticello. I'm in the parking lot right now. And my drive home, I listen to you, Frank. I go get something to eat, and, and I stay in my truck and listen to Frank sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I do enjoy his trivia questions. And uh, also uh, uh, the Bernie, Beat Bernie. That's, that's right. One too. That's right. Now, question here. Doesn't that Chinese guy own that casino up there? Yeah, Mr. Jen Kang. And, I don't know how to pronounce it. And they have like a heliport there, right, that he lands on sometimes? Well, the last chopper I seen come in, they just put up cones in the employee parking lot. Oh. Uh, don't, don't know if there's a chopper pad on the roof, but I do know the guys that can uh, get you a chopper. If you're a high roller, they'll bring you to the casino. I do work with those guys. If you're well. Now, meantime, uh, so you're the guy in charge of the dice game, right? Uh, you could say that. I'm one of four dealers that run the table, and we all move around the table. Then we get a break, and then we start the uh, rotation again. Now, did you ever run across uh, any guy who will try to come in and switch the dice on you? I personally, I have not. I've been doing this for about four years. I've heard many stories, but its uh, I have never seen it yet. Uh, it's pretty, uh, the dice are inspected uh, every few minutes by the boss that was sitting at the table. So pretty difficult to pull it off unless you're uh, an expert at it. Well, Chris, uh, uh, beware. This is what Frank Morano is known for is, uh his top game is shooting dice uh, when when they run him off to crap tables because they think he's cheating, you know, because he's, uh, he's changing the dice. He comes in with his own set of dice. He goes and he plays CeeLo, four, five, six on the backhand side because you shoot three dice in CeeLo. I'm, I'm familiar with CeeLo. I, I know the best position is to be the banker. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't see me right now, but I got a big smile on my face because I remember Frank mentioning that he came to the Monticello Casino and uh, played a few games, including dice. Now, I, would, I don't know what Frank looks like, but I was trying to remember, like, uh, I think I might have dealt to him. I, I'm not sure. Well, you probably did because uh, he's always a loser, but I will tell you this. He'll try to cheat by swapping the dice. And they should have a picture up in Monticello of him as a uh, cheater and a welch. You know, like they do for guys who count cards. You know, they're banned from casinos. They don't ban Frank from casinos, even though he cheats. Because even when he cheats and he changes the dice, he still loses. Now, you figure that one out. Dice is shaved and he still loses. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I know you can see me now. Here's a surprise. I know that you have a 
Depends tour. Maybe we'll delve into that uh, same time, same place uh, tomorrow morning when I resume the other side of midnight from 12 midnight to 6. And remember, at 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock today, I'm on with Anthony Weiner, left, right. Sunday, I do left, right with Chris Hahn from 3 to 5. And then I finish up the uh, Curtis Lee Super Extravaganza on Sunday night from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight. And then the most requested and listened to uh, hour of all the hours that I do on the weekend, close to 20, is the Animal Welfare Hour, uh, in which my wife Nancy is the co-host. We talk about all kinds of animal issues, not just dogs and cats, from 12 to 1. And then... It's time to pass off the 50,000 powerful watts blowtorch to the Mameluk, the Mamalooch, and the Mashad, Frank Morano. Anyway, I want to take advantage of the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. And uh, if I could see miles and miles and miles, I'd love to be able to peer into the streets of Ottawa, Canada, the nation's capital there, in what should have been our 51st state. Yeah, Canada should have been part of the United States. If not Canada, the entirety of the country from Halifax to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, at least Alberta, uh, with the cities Edmonton and Calgary that are like cowboy towns. It's almost like America. But anyway, we need to find out what was going on in Ottawa. We've heard the reports of the Freedom Convoy which uh, lodged its way into Ottawa, I think it was on uh, September 29th. I think so. No, no, January 29th, excuse me. And now I see pictures of the Ottawa riot police. I see other police there, the regional police, provincial police, the RCMP without Dudley Do-Right and his steed. I see that uh, Trudeau Jr. has his minions targeting bank accounts of the Freedom Convoy supporters, so anybody in Canada could literally be uh, wiped out, cleaned out, or arrested. What did they arrest? About 100 people there, 21 trucks were towed, and there are like 100 checkpoint Charlies going in and out of Ottawa to prevent anybody from bringing any more tactical air support to the Freedom Convoy there. They've arrested the uh, two uh, leaders and Trudeau has enacted the Emergencies Act, was established in 1988, never before invoked. And this allows Trudeau Jr. to uh, temporarily suspend citizens' rights to free movement or assembly. And he has an opportunity to use the military if he so chooses. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is crazy. North of the border, this might actually trigger a second round of Canadian bacon. And I'm not talking about the pork, the swine that you would eat. I'm talking about an invasion of Canada. You remember, that was almost like uh, the the tail is wagging. The De Niro classic. 
Anyway, uh, who is it that was starred uh, in Canadian Bacon? Who was the American president, a lot more astute and cogent than our present president, uh, President Joe Biden, who every five minutes is saying, oh, uh, oh Putin's going to invade the Ukraine. Putin's going to invade the Ukraine. Putin's going to invade the Ukraine. Who was the president of the United States in Canadian Bacon? Who was the sheriff and the deputies that uh, actually began the invasion of what would have been the 51st state? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And if any of the old Canada Canadians are listening to us now, Hoseheads, Canucks, whatever endearing uh, phrase that we can uh, thrust in the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, do me a solid. Give us a call. Let us know what's happening as your country is now immersed in almost a totalitarian dictatorship of sorts by Trudeau Jr., like father, like son. I'll get into that momentarily. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Jeff, who's calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Hello, Curtis. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the district attorney we have, um, Tisha James, this is the worst, dumbest district attorney in the history of New York. That's my opinion. Well, she's, uh, uh, she's the state attorney general, not the district attorney. It doesn't matter. You know what? Whatever district attorney she was in any jurisdiction, she'd be the dumbest uh, imbecile as a district attorney. You have to go to law school to be a district attorney. I can't imagine she passed the bar. Well, now, uh, Jeff, understand this. To be an attorney general in the state of New York, you do not have to be a lawyer. To be a judge in some of the counties upstate, you do not have to be a lawyer. One of the reasons that... uh, You have uh, Hokum, the governor, Cousins, the leader of the state Senate with a supermajority of Democrats, and Hasty, the leader of the Assembly, the Speaker of the Assembly, with a supermajority of Democrats in the Assembly. The reason they won't budge on the uh, bail issue, no bail issue, is because they think that Republican judges upstate, some of whom are just citizens and not lawyers, will actually give uh, people of color severe sentences. That's what the holdup is on this, as specious, as ridiculous as that is. Anyway, let's go to Sky, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sky. Hi, uh, Curtis. I'm in West Texas. I'm a retired lawman, ex-martial artist. I used to live in the 103. I have a copy of the February 1988, the International Fighter International Magazine, with you on the cover. Wow, boy, that is a blast from the past. 1980, Fighter International, I remember. I think that was a publication out of Los Angeles. Uh, And you're right. I was on the cover. Yeah, has your ex-wife. She's the centerfold in the magazine. Yeah, with her clothes on. Yes, sir. And um, I used to live in the 103, and I'm a retired lawman. A couple of weeks ago, you spoke about um, the arrest of the mayor, who used to be the chief of police the circumstances around the arrest of him and his brother. I'd like you to go over that again one of these days when you have time. because I oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do it right now, Sky, while you're on. You were kind enough yeah. to remind me of the uh, fighter martial arts I- uh, issue uh, back in yeah. 1980. Uh, Eric Adams, who is now the mayor, ha- tells this narrative, uh, of which I don't believe anything that he says on this narrative. He says that when he was a young boy... He had an older brother 
uh, and they both got arrested. And when they were taken into the 103rd precinct in Jamaica, not far from where their mother was raising them and I think four other children, uh, the there were two white police officers who stomped them. And Eric Adams claimed he got stomped so hard that for days afterwards, every time he would urinate, there would there was blood in his urine. Uh, he then uh, sort of left it at that, said that the uh, he saw a black sergeant come down. It was the first time he saw a black, powerful man tell white people what to do. And the black sergeant was telling the two white cops who were beating him up and his brother, leave them alone, leave them alone. That's how the story was told. Then halfway through the campaign, we learned that, in fact, Eric Adams and his older brother uh, were helping a stripper slash prostitute who he claims had broken her leg and that he and his brother were delivering groceries to her. Uh, She didn't pay them back for the groceries. So when she went back to the strip club and started to do the uh, pole dancing, uh, he and his brother decided to break into her apartment, which they did. They did a home invasion. They got caught by the cops, and they got arrested at the 103rd Precinct. He never told that part of the story because, let's face it, you know he wasn't buying her groceries. You know he was probably a steerer and a lookout like his brother for John's and then got a little shot of leg uh, as a little supplement to his income. Well, well, I'm a retired law man, and I lived at 164th by New York Boulevard, and I was a member of the the uh, Police Athletic League in the 103. I'm the same age as you, and they never did any of that. They used to come to the, the block and turn in the fire hydrants for us and spray us in the, the heat of the day. Yep. I also used to go to Madison Square Garden to Aaron Banks' tournaments and uh, watch the competitions. So I've been around for a while. Thank you for everything that you do, and you should have been mayor, and I want you to have a great Great day. Well, stay on the line because uh, I remember attending one of uh, Aaron Banks's uh, uh, huge uh, seminars at the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side. Uh, he presented the Guardian Angels with a uh, Martial Artist Award. At that time, nobody was coming near us in the early 80s. Uh, subsequent to that, I ended up seeing Aaron Banks on the train and then uh, uh, soon after he had passed away. But uh, he really put martial arts on the map here in America uh, with his uh, shows that he put on in Madison Square Garden. That was at the time of Bruce Lee when the country was fixated with martial arts, which it no longer is. But, boy, that that I, I'd say that was the uh, the highlighted time of martial arts where, remember, Sky, I'm sure maybe you uh, indulge. You got three kung fu flicks for $5 on the deuce at Times Square. Five fingers of death. That's right. And at that time, you see, and I I was telling this story earlier today about all the attacks on Asians that are happening now. 368% increase in attacks on Asians. Back in the 60s and 70s, people did not attack Asians because because of those kung fu movies of Run Run Shaw and you could get three for five dollars on the deuce. Everybody, white, black, Hispanic, thought that all Asians knew kung fu. And then if you if you mess with an Asian, it could be an older guy. Because remember, a lot of the uh, characters in the movies were older guys who could jump 500 feet in the air, throw spinning hook kicks, reverse punches, older women who could uh, fight you in kung fu. So the impression was if you went to a laundromat and you messed with the Chinese guy behind the counter or at a fast food Chinese restaurant place, 
don't mess with him because he might end up hitting you so hard your mother would feel the vibrations. Yeah, we all went down to Chinatown to watch the movies dubbed in English in Chinese, watched all the martial arts, like Five Fingers of Death. Yeah, right. And remember right. remember how young men would buy the uh, kung fu pajama bottoms and pajama tops, and then they'd have the kung fu slippers, and they'd walk around yeah. as if they were Bruce Lee. Yeah, everybody's walking through Chinatown <laughs> like quiet chain cane. <laughs> That's right, and getting tiger bomb, tiger bomb. They were looking for tiger bomb to put on uh, whatever strains and pains they had from uh, practicing martial arts or fighting or, or going to their martial arts lessons. The other thing about the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi story that Eric Adams still tells is that he says he was transferred as a result of being arrested to Spotford for about a day and a half that was the youth detention facility in the Bronx. It's no longer open. It's closed. He said he was kept there about a day and a half. And then his mother came and picked him up at the 103rd Precinct. No, it doesn't happen that oh, way. No. If you were released at Spotford, your parent or guardian had to come and pick you up at Spotford. They didn't They didn't drive you back to the 103rd Precinct or any precinct. No. I used to go to the 103rd. I used to go up to the second floor to the uh, police athletic league office. And those offices were very nice to me. Yeah, I never believe that story. He tells it over and over. Nobody has come forward to say, oh, I remember that. Not his older brother, who I believe is down in South Carolina, who all of a sudden is out of sight, out of mind, hush, hush, mush, mush. Not one person has verified that story that he told. Not one person. Now, you would think the media would say, wow, that's a pretty strange story there. Let's do a deep dive. Nope. His complexion. Is his protection. Yes. Um, if I send you this magazine, will you autograph it for me and I'll pay for the postage? Oh, absolutely. So uh, just stay on the line and our phone screener will get all the information uh, uh, from you so we can get the information to you on where you should mail it and I'll sign it. And I won't COD it back to you. I- I- I'll pay for the postage. I- I'll flip some coin. Okay, Sky? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. My pleasure to do that. You see... You see, that's how these kinds of conversations lead to further conversations and brought us back full circle to the lie that Eric Adams told all during the campaign and tells now about how he supposedly got arrested and got a beat down in the basement of the 103rd Precinct by two police officers beating up, uh, white police officers beating up his older brother and him. Never told the rest of the story why he got arrested doing a home invasion on a prostitute slash stripper that he then claimed he was buying groceries for because she had a broken leg. Get the hell out of here. And some people actually bought that stuff. <laughs> oh, boy, Eric Adams knew there are a lot of suckers out there. Think a lot, a lot of white people. Oh, that's conceivable. Yeah, yeah. Anybody with street smarts knows that's bull feathers. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John... Calling from his truck. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Curtis, you're the man. Hey, you should be mandatory listening for high school students and above. I'm telling you right now, you got me laughing so hard. Hey, before I forget, forget about first time, long time, how are you, the whole bit. Hey, do you ever talk to uh, uh, Wiener about his wife's computer? Oh, no, you mean his his laptop, his laptop. His is the laptop that Hillary's uh, emails uh, were secured on. Uh, I promise you I'll definitely bring it up to him, no doubt about let it. Me te- 
Let me tell you something, Curtis. You got a higher calling than the mayor. I hope I hope uh, Mayor Adams is listening to you this morning. I'm telling you right now. You are the man. I'm telling you. Curtis, you are so funny. And, and that call with Mike from Kentucky, I was the best. Hey, the reason I called, naturally I drive a Volvo. That wasn't Robert Conrad, the uh, test dummy. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It was Robbie Conrad. His, oh, wow. You got to send me some belly lids. His breakthrough in acting was that other male actors would not act as the crash dummy in the Volvo commercial. They said, no, no, that's crazy. First of all, nobody could see me because I'm all covered up like a, remember, like a sphinx, uh, like a mummy. <laughs> But Robert Conrad said, look, if you can get me into Hollywood, if you can get me into TV and movie production, I'll be the test dummy. And you remember how vicious that crash was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Curtis, I cannot believe I'm on the radio with you, number one. Uh, hey, I'm on the phone going down 95 in Connecticut. But long story short, when uh, Trump first uh, was becoming the man, the president, uh, I'm on the phone on the LIE on a Friday afternoon. I'm not even paying attention. I'm talking to my boy. And I get pulled over, and the guy says to me, I never let nobody go. But I had a Trump hat on. He said, have a nice day. Ha! Now, meantime, what are you driving right now, 18-wheeler? No, no, a box truck, a box truck. All right, and what, what, are, you, what are you transporting or picking up? Uh, I I uh, I go up to Rhode Island and I I take an empty truck back. I take, I, I go over on the ferry in the in the evening, and then I I, I meet the guy in Rhode Island. And I drive an empty. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so, you, you keep you keep me awake at night. You're doing a service here. Well, that's true. You know, guys don't have to all of a sudden be drinking gallons of Red Bull. They don't have to be taking uh, mescaline or meth to nah, stay awake. Nah. A bag of oranges and some coffee. I'm good to go. And listening to Curtis hey. to the, uh, on the other side of midnight, you can't go to sleep. Oh. You can't go to I sleep. Thought, hey, I, th- I thought Frank Marino, when he first came on, I thought he was the grease man using a different name, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Remember the grease man? Yep, yep, the grease man, Washington, D.C. Yeah. I remember that. For some reason, I thought, I said, now he's calling himself Frank Marino. I said, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, hey, no, what no. Happened to you? You're... What happened to your girl, uh, uh, Jet Set Juliet? Uh, Jet Set Juliet is retired. She's all right? Oh, no, no, she's fine. She's fine. But uh, as you know, she likes to travel. Uh, she yeah, likes yeah, spending yeah, time in Italy and Europe. So she's doing all the things she's always wanted to do uh, in the rest of her life. But I'm telling you, Frank Morano is the grease man. Um, t- you nailed it. You nailed it, John. Oh, my God. I was like, what the hell? But, hey, the way you bust his shots, I hope he's I hope he's taking it well. No, no, he's not. He's fixated. He's obsessed. He's probably listening right now with his young boy, Carmine, who's 24 pounds. Imagine, the kid is 24 pounds since he was birthed on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, you know what? I- I'm sure he's a good dad, man. And a nice guy, you know. Yeah, but wait a second, John. He, the kid is listening to me. Can you imagine the kid will end up talking like me? <laughs> hey, but more importantly, Curtis, this is for real. 
We gotta get we gotta get the, that ilk from the left, AOC, uh, Nancy Pelosi, every, every one of them out, and and you, that's your higher calling, uh, uh, Curtis. Uh, you know, the only way we're gonna do it, we gotta rally the troops. Forget about yeah, Canada. Yeah. Forget about uh, uh, you know Russia. You know we're talking about putting sanctions on Russia, but. Who's going to be buying these 2 million barrels of oil every day? That's very interesting. My higher calling is to make sure that we sidetrack AOC, all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors. Yeah. I should run against her in Congress. People in the Bronx, they know me. They grew up with me. There's mostly Puerto Ricans in her district. And then uh, over in uh, Jackson Heights, a little bit of Corona, a little bit of Woodside, uh, Sunnyside. Then they're moving the district. If the redistricting holds up, she'll be a little bit in Bayside, Whitestone, College Point. I won that district uh, in the mayoral election against Eric Adams. Yeah, that'd be a good race. Maybe I'm the guy to knock out AOC all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who believes that the reason there's so much stealing going on You know, guys and gals going in with their Alvin Bragg uh, swag bag into CVS, Walgreens, and Dwayne Reed is because the child tax credits were eliminated. They don't exist anymore, so they have to go in and steal baby formula. What a a piece of work she is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don calling from Huntington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Don. Hi, Curtis. A couple more Merv Griffin stories, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Merv Griffin, he tried to hit on me. The more, the better. (laughs) Well, I never would have believed that back in the mid-1980s. On a Sunday afternoon, I was walking down Fifth Avenue in the 60s, and there comes Merv with Eva Gabor on his arm, walking down the sidewalk, looking like the king and queen. They were so royal-looking and regal. And I was just blown away. And they were smiling and ignoring everybody. But wow. <laughs> they were the center of attention. Eva Gabor, as opposed to Ava Gabor. Ava, Eva, Ava, whatever the hell. But she was beautiful, you know. She was no Jaja, but she was the closest thing. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Eva Gabor. Sister, though, I think I think you were right. There's Eva Gabor, and I think there's Ava Gabor. They were sisters, and one of them was, uh, oh, this, this, this is great. This leads to even more trivia. Absolutely great story here, Don from Huntington. What program, which Gabor, which Gabor was on the show as the wife of, a Park Avenue resident who decided to go and become a farmer. What was the name of that show in which I think it was either Ava or Eva Gabor? And by the way, who were the two Gabor sisters and what was their country of origin? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In the interim, let's go to Gene in Woodside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gene. Hi, Curtis. I have a quick story for you. I had a girlfriend who had a very close friend that owned a house in Fire Island, a dune house. And her husband was the original producer for the Merv Griffin show. And 
It passed away. They had no electricity in the house. Everything was ran off propane and candles. She finally got electricity in the house. She just went out, went to the refrigerator, and she had a television right after dinner. And a movie came on, and she started laughing. So we said, Albie, what's so funny? She goes, oh, don't you guys know? The movie had David Soul from Starsky and Hutch was the was the uh, was in the in the movie. Yeah. Oh, so, that was Merv's that was Merv's play toy out here years ago. That well, he brought him out to the beach to spend two weeks with him on the beach. Wow. So it wasn't it wasn't Cherry Grove. It was actually right out there on the island itself. It was Kismet. It was just a, you know a straight community. There were a few gays running around, but it wasn't Cherry Grove or the Pines. But this guy was the original producer of the Barrett Griffin Show, and David Saul was one of his boy toys back when he was trying to break into show business. Wow. That's incredible. That could have been me. I mean, the guy was hitting on me, Gene. Yeah, he could have took you out to the beach, had two weeks on the beach with him. Yeah, and who knows? I might have been on Starsky and Hutch. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think of it, right? Instead of Beretta, would it be me? Yeah. Man. Anything is possible. Hey, what are you saying? Yeah, that question, go ahead. Go ahead, Gene. The question you guys was asking, it was Green Acres and a Zsa Zsa Gabor. That's right. Eddie Arnold. That's right. Eddie Arnold, who was the lawyer from Park Avenue, Zsa Zsa Gabor, uh, and uh, where, what was the, uh, the, um, County store there. They were in Hooterville. That's right, Hooterville. And who was the uh, uh, the clerk of that county store? Sam Drucker. Sam Drucker. And who was the guy who always came by who was always annoying? Mr. Haney. He'd that, tell you anything. That's right. Man, you nailed it all, Gene. What was the pig's name? Uh, let's see. Pig. Not Oscar, right? Uh, mm. No, no. Now, what was the pig's name? Arnold. Arnold. The Hazarai. The Hazarai. The pig. The pig. That's right. Oh, that was a great show, Green Acres. It was hysterical. Curtis, I have another topic I want to change you off a little bit. I live over on Woodside. I've tried to talk to people about it, but I live right by the foot of the Kosciuszko Bridge. Yes. And I have two friends. They're both older than me. In Woodside, the Vietnam War, somebody ran a zip, the zip codes in the United States. Woodside lost more kids in Vietnam than any other zip code in the country. Did you know that? No, I did not at all. Now, if you go into Times Square, which is one of your one of your, your haunches, you know where the recruitment office is in Times Square? Yes. Okay, on the back there's a plate. Are you familiar with that plate, a bronze plate? that lists all the Medal of Honor winners from New York. Since the Civil War. On the back of that plate, there's two names. Robert Emmett O'Malley and Thomas P. Noonan. Okay? Robert O'Malley was the first Marine to get the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Okay? Tommy, whose name is right above his on the plaque, he came out with a great line. He said, I got to go over there and get one of those medals before they run out of them. And just a couple of weeks ago was Tommy's anniversary of a thing called Operation Dewey Canyon, where Tommy got his head blown off. Carrying Marines out that were pinned down in a, in a fire. Tommy also got the Medal of Honor. Now, today Tommy's, Tommy is buried in the shadow of the Kosciuszko Bridge. As kids, they used to grow up playing on the Kosciuszko Bridge. 
I was trying to get something going to try to rename the Kosciuszko Bridge to the Robert Emmett O'Malley Thomas P. Noonan Memorial Bridge. Hmm. I wrote letters. I was told by Albany that you can't you can't change bridge names and this and that. But how come it keeps on the news that keeps saying the Tapazee Bridge? They keep calling it the Mario Cuomo Memorial Bridge. <laughs> You're right about that. Well, I tell you what, Gene. Uh, uh, I know, like typical New Yorkers, you call it Casiasco. The Poles will call it Casjusco, like the mustard, Casjusco. Like the uh, stop on the J train uh, over in Bushwick, Casjusco. But let me see what I can do. Uh, give your information to our phone screener. I think I know some people who might be able to get us some answers uh, on that very thing. That's a very noble thing you're suggesting. Two young men who had died in the Vietnam War. The average age of uh, the men serving in Vietnam was 19. 19. Right. Also, people don't realize, Kosciuszko may have been a great guy, but he was a mercenary. He came over here with a bunch of Polish guys to help George Washington. And what did he do? He fought up on the Canadian border fighting Indians and the French. Yeah, but, uh, but but his greatest contribution, Gene, was Kosciuszko was the uh, engineer. Uh, Pulaski uh, started the uh, American cavalry. He fought down in the south with the uh, Revolutionary Army. Kosciuszko was up in the north, and he had convinced George Washington that he needed an engineering military school, and it should be West Point. Meantime, Je- uh, Thomas Jefferson, a fellow Virginian of uh, George Washington, had uh, tried to convince George Washington that it should have been the military academy set at VMI. And George Washington sided with Kosciuszko from Poland. Thomas Jefferson never forgave him for that. Never, ever, ever forgave him for that. I'll see what I can do. I'll try to uh, see what I can do, uh, if not the Kosciuszko Bridge. I have so many other bridges, like the Mario Cuomo Facha Bruta Bridge. I mean, let's face it, the previous name to that bridge, I mean, what did it mean? Why not name it in honor of two guys who gave their life in the Vietnam War where the average age of a serviceman was 19? one 800 New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Gee, if you were dancing, which Gabor sister would you be dancing with? I forget how many Gabor sisters there were and from what country of origin were they from. Who was in uh, the Green Acres TV show and who was the... uh, who was the uh, Gabor in the movies? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, Dale, who's calling from Sumter, South Carolina. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dale. Yeah, hello? Yes, Dale. Yeah. Um, you were talking about uh, Green Acres, is it? Yeah, Green Acres, the TV show. Okay. Um what was that one question that y'all got stumped on? Dang it. I got so excited. My heart's racing up. Whoa. First time I really got into Whoa. this. <laughs> now, before we get into that, you're calling from Sumter, South Carolina. That's yes, where the Civil War started. Yes, sir. The Civil War. Yes, sir. Fort Sumter. All they right. fired on uh, the monitor, and the, um, you had what to call a monitor, and um, 
it was another ship out there. But I've been to that little island, Fort Sumter, what they fired on. I've been there. Now, what what, what do they have? What do they have there now? Is the fort still there? Uh, well, they had a bunch of cannons. They had a little store there. It was uh, sightseeing. You go there by boat. Okay, and that that obviously was the Confederate fort. Mm, yes, sir. As far as I know, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> a lot of times when you're a young kid, you know, you don't really care too much about history. And then as you grow older, history is right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You now, witnessed all South Carolina is a place that a lot of folks from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania are moving to. You know that? Oh, yeah. We had some people across the street that uh, come from New Jersey. And the only thing they hated down here was the pizza. And I said, hey, that's a good pizza. You don't know the southern South of Carolina. <laughs> Just to give you a hint there, sir. Oh, yeah. But you're getting a lot of the, the northerners coming down there, aren't you? Well, yeah. They let, we told them to leave the sleds at home because we're tired of, you know, hey, get your sled out the driveway. <laughs> you know, just to give you an idea. <laughs> so were you born and raised in uh, South Carolina? Okay. I was born on Shaw Air Force Base, which is an Air Force Base in Sumter County, mm, mm. back in the World War II. My daddy, uh, William H. Fry, he um, served in World War II. And uh, he served um, over in England, and uh, he did uh, munitions for the uh, B-17s. Yep. And at one time, he told me he got to ride in the, uh, what was that one famous plane? Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, they said, Fry, just look out the window. We go, we just put a motor in, and if it starts smoking, tell us something. He says, well, where's my parachute first? Because I ain't flying with this damn plane. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dale, when you listen. To all the folks up here calling who are mostly from the north, mostly from the northeast region, many of them have a Brooklyn accent, a Bronx accent, how does, how does that tickle your ear? Because you have a classic southern accent. I don't know. I don't know what kind of accent I've got because, really, uh, being in South Carolina, you know, you – You've been around, see, being an Air Force brat, you know, you go to Okinawa and the Philippines and, you know, England, stuff like that. What was, but, your, uh, what was your favorite destination overseas? Uh, well, I'd have to say the Philippines is the ones I can remember. Mm, mm. Yeah, Clark Air Force Base. And what do you remember about the Philippines? Okay, well, I remember being on the base and I remember the golf course that they used to have. The um, This was back about 60. Uh, we were there 59, 60, and 61. Good. Thank, thank, thank God you weren't old enough to go to the gin mills right outside on the border of the Air Force <laughs> Base. Yeah, well, I tell you, the only, the only place I wanted to find out about it, and nobody would tell me, they had a place or they had a name called Honor <laughs> And I always laughed about it because I didn't know what the hell it was. I was a young kid. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you there, uh, Philippines, I have guardian angels in the Philippines. They have all these bars there. They'll have, like, uh, bars for uh, straights, heterosexuals. They'll have bars for homosexuals because it's uh, relatively accepted there. And they probably have the best-looking transgenders in the world, men 
who have adapted into a look of a woman and you would never in your life know that they were men, Dale? Well, let's let's put it like this. You know, at the time of my my being there, you know, a lot of that stuff was not really important. The main thing that uh, I really didn't care too much about. See, I started school over over in the Philippines, first grade and all, and that's been on a military base. But now you remember the Phil, uh, Filipinos for a while they were Corazon uh, kicked us out, kicked uh, the military out of Clark Air Force Base and the Naval Base, uh, and then eventually we returned. Well, the thing about it is, uh, Clark Air Force Base I think had a lease up to 1990, a lease kind of, and then that was that. You know, uh, bye bye, and we had to move out. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Dale, be careful. With all the Yankees coming down there, they're going to take South Carolina, which is a totally red state now, might turn it purple and even blue. The thing about it is I I, I, I like the Republican side because uh, it's a beautiful thing to be sometimes. But, you know, you kind of walk lightly with uh, what you say, things like that. Oh, for but sure. I do respect that, sir. But you, you, Dale, are calling us from the epicenter where the Civil War began. The first cannons were fired. Uh, The most devastating war in the history of America, where at times brother fought against brother, family versus family. The slaughter in some of the battles was just unimaginable. Tens of thousands. And it all started there in Sumter, South Carolina. See, we're getting calls from everywhere, everywhere, all over the world, all throughout the United States with the 50,000 powerful watts of sound. You see, it's not false advertising, not false advertising at all. No, it's the real deal. The number one news talk station in the nation. Let's go to uh, Diane calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Diane. Okay. Jaja was in the movies. She was. She always had minor parts. She didn't have much of a career, but she was more of a celebrity. And, and wasn't she with somebody called um, um, Rubioso, Rubioso uh, Portfolio, something? Uh, Rubioso. He was supposed to be this really sex, sexy guy who who had all these women. Yeah, let me tell you something. Back then, Diane, in the 60s, a lot of the most sexy guys that were supposed to have most of the women turned out to be gay. He Right, right. Okay, but anyway, um, I, it was either Eva or Ava that was in Green Acres, never Zsa And there were three of them. They were Hungarian Jews, and they all had nose jobs. Ha! And it wasn't because of they had uh, septum problems, like a lot of girls would say, oh, I, I have a septum problem, that's why I had no surgery. No, 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 no. In fact, also their mother, all of them, had nose jobs to make them perfectly gorgeous. Mm. And although a lot of, I know a lot of Jews with perfect little noses, but these, these four, <laughs> they definitely had them, and they were from Hungary, they were Jewish. And uh, there you go. Um, I can't remember if it was Eva or Ava, because I think I only watched that show once. You mean uh, uh, Green Acres? Yeah, Green Acres is the place for me. 
whatever. That's right. And did you know that the pig, uh, the Hazarai, was Arnold? I only saw the show once. Oh, only one time. Really well, you can go back and the replays, they have all kinds of replays now. You can watch them all. You can binge watch like you might watch Netflix. Not for that, please. I, I never thought it was that great of a show. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I mean, a Park Avenue lawyer bringing uh, either Ava, Eva to uh, the middle of uh, the heartland of America to a county store with Mr. Ziffel? No, no, I, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm into, like, um, true crime and stuff like that. Oh, women, for some reason, all women love crime stories, more so than guys. If you ask your average female, what do you like watching? Crime mysteries, crime, crime, crime. Not guys. That's amazing. Now I'm going to be taunted. Was it Eva or her sister? who starred in Green Acres. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Alan, who's calling from Spencer Estates. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Alan? Eva, New York is where I'd rather be. And women like crime shows because they love criminals. They're attracted to them. Thank you, Steve, from Manhattan. Nice try. Uh, Spencer Estates, I kind of figured that. I don't even think there is a Spencer Estates. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jim, who's calling from, I believe, Brooklyn. Is that correct, Jim? Hello, Jim. Jim going once. Jim going twice. Jim goes swinging down for the count. Hello. Oh, there's Jim. Here I am. Curtis, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful show this morning. I really enjoyed it. The Thank gentleman you. who called from Brooklyn talking about the Kosciuszko Bridge touched the nerve of me. I grew up in the shadows of the Kosciuszko Bridge and spent all of 1969 in Vietnam. And, you know, it, it was, you get drafted and you're a young kid. You know, you know punch ball, box ball, stoop ball. You don't know how to use a, a weapon. And, you know, six months later, after you drafted, you're on a plane going to Vietnam. Now you have to fight for a year. And uh, a lot of great heroes came out of that neighborhood. New York City had a tremendous loss of life in Vietnam. And, you know, I'm, I'm the son of a patent tank commander. And my father's brother, my Uncle Joe, was a third-day Iwo Jima Marine. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday is the anniversary of raising the flag of Iwo Jima in 1945. And the only thing my father, who was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, my Uncle Joey Yankee fan, the only thing those two guys agreed upon is Sandy Koufax was the best pitcher they ever saw. Wow. Now, it's amazing because you ended up serving in Vietnam. The average age of a serviceman was 19. It's just like hard to believe. 19, that's how young they were. What was it like over there? Curtis, you know, when you stepped off the plane, the smell hit you immediately. And then you got you got to a, a disbursement camp and you got sent to where you were going to be. And um, I don't think you, you – my, my uncle and father sat me down and kind of briefing what it was like to be in war. But, you know, you, you didn't want to get captured. And I was pretty far up north. You didn't want to get captured, you know. That's why when, you know, John McCain served and, um, you know, 
and got captured and had to go to Hanoi Hilton. You know, it was always in the back of your mind that you might get captured. And I interacted with some South Korean soldiers over there who were excellent soldiers. And you know what? You're glad that you came home, Curtis. You're really happy when you came home. Now, what Uh, was it about the North Vietnamese or the Viet Cong that made them good fighters? Their home. That's their home. Mm. You know, that that's their home. And even 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 you know, I, I nineteen sixty nine I go to, I get to go, they fly us from the bush, they fly us down to Benoit Air Force Base for the UFO show and, and Jerry Colonna and Bob Hope. You know, you you were distracted and I was close then because I came home January twentieth, nineteen seventy. So I was close to coming home. And you know, I it, it was just Curtis, you, you just wanted to get home. You did what you had to. You protected the guys you served with. You know, I was with a. You had a girl just speaking to her from South Carolina, guy who kept me alive basically for the first three months and showed me how to conduct myself. Was a guy Monty Beaver from South Carolina, and really, really was my chaperone. And, and then I ended up chaperoning other guys. But uh, the kids from Brooklyn and the city, you know, we were good fighters because we could fight. You punch me in the mouth, I punch you right back. But uh, you know. We're really good fighters, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one other story, Curtis. Sure. When I came, when I came out, uh, January 20th, 1970, I get home, and I'm going to go to LIU to get finish up my degree. My mother asked me, and I get go and get my hack license, okay? And um, now I go to school. I'm at Long Island University. First day I picked up my hack license. I mean, it was a Thursday, and I'm going to start driving that night for Skulls Angels in the shadow of Shea Stadium. And I go to a class at LIU, and I hang my jacket, my Army jacket, in the back of the classroom. I come out of, after the class is over. I go to pick up my jacket. It's not there. Some creep took my jacket, and I go outside, and my jacket is on a pole on fire. They lit my jacket up, you know? Wow. Yeah, if I would have found them, you know, they would have got a Louisville slugger over their head. I had to go buy a sweatshirt just so I didn't freeze. But my, my hack license was in there. I couldn't go to work until the following week. But um, no, it wasn't the best of times to come home to, Curtis. No, no. And uh, unfortunately, uh, too many men like yourself uh, were not able to return or they returned uh, physically maimed or mentally maimed. Uh, and that was a war that people turned on them, turned on them. They went in, they went in, they did what they had to do. And yet our population, uh, a majority of them, ended up turning on them, spitting on them, calling them baby killers, uh, making a, making it so that you didn't even want to talk about your service. You didn't know who you were talking to who might suddenly get outraged that you were over there and they'd start screaming and raving at you that you were a baby killer. You know, Curtis, I could use my hands pretty well, so that never bothered me. And you know what? If you're going to say something to me, I'll cave your face in. And... um you know, I served two kids from the neighborhood right in the shadows of the Kosciuszko Bridge, Billy Kuhn and Johnny Giacone, both of them cousins, first cousins, both got killed in Vietnam. Mm. And, and, you know, when I came home and, and knowing that Johnny had died and Billy had died, Billy, he was a, a star uh, soccer player at Bushwick High School and just, uh, you know, they were the heart and soul of our neighborhood, these these kids that, along with myself, who served over there. And uh, you were glad to come home. 
Yeah. That's all you thought about was coming home. Well, Jim, thank you for sharing those memories. Uh, over 50,000 did not. Uh, so many more were wounded and maimed, scarred physically, scarred mentally, as our nation turned on them instead of our politicians who jammed us up, especially LBJ, who came up with that fake, phony, fraudulent uh, Gulf of Tonkin resolution in which he claimed it justified us sending more troops into Vietnam. And then Richard Nixon, who launched the secret war into Cambodia and Laos, instead of ending the war, as he promised, had helped him get elected overwhelmingly against the peace candidate, George McGovern. Anyway, let's go to Carmine, who's calling from New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carmine. Curtis, what a show in that last caller. Very touching. And, uh, gee, what I was going to talk about seems trivial now, but he mentioned Jerry Colonna. And if I'm not mistaken, my father told me that Jerry Colonna lost a son in Vietnam, and supposedly he was never the same after that. But Vietnam was the tragedy of my life growing up. But what I was going to talk about, if you'll let me, Curtis, is that it seems like you're into trivia tonight. Sure. Every night that I'm on, I'm into trivia. Well, I got a trivia for you. Actually, I got two, but I'll I'll do the first one and see if you you like it. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit. Heavyweight fighter, young guy, but he was full of himself. He fought Jack Johnson. I think you'll remember who that was. The black champion? Sure, who ended up getting busted on the Man Act for transporting a woman across state lines for the purpose of prostitution. Right. Well, this young uh, guy, he loses the fight, Curtis, but he doesn't do that badly, but he realizes he won't be champion, and why fight if he can't be the champ? He was kind of full of himself. He goes out to Hollywood, and he becomes an actor, and he likes it. And all of a sudden, he develops this real talent for acting, and he starts to get more and more roles. Now, this actor uh, is is in some of the greatest movies, Curtis, ever made. And one year, he won the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Motion Picture. Now, it's an old-time actor. I just want to see if you can guess who it is. Hmm. An old-time actor. He was in Gunga Din, Curtis. And he was in The Quiet Man, if that helps you out. Gee. Mm. No good, huh? No. Why don't, why don't you let us all know? Victor McLaughlin. Victor McLaughlin. That's he right. Under, and, he, and he was in all those Calvary movies with John Wayne. That's right. And supposedly, from what I was told, Curtis, a tough guy in real life. A real tough guy. Well, you had to be back then. I mean, it was almost like bare-knuckle fighting, uh, you know, at times in order to avoid uh, getting arrested or having uh, the entire boxing match uh, 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 stopped by local officials. You'd have to fight on a barge in the middle of a river uh, so that that was nobody's jurisdiction. I mean, and let's face it, (laughs) there were no markers of... uh, Marcus of uh, Queensbury rules to boxing back then, that's for sure. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Helen calling all the way from Princeton, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helen. Hi, hi, Chris, uh, Curtis. 
I'm so broken up by your Vietnam veterans calling in. But first of all, I want to uh, compliment you on your format where you respect your callers. You give them enough time to say what's what's on an with the Vietnam veterans, what's on their hearts. And Curtis, I do want to suggest something and correct you. You said that our country turned on the Vietnam veterans. Curtis, I've had a a guilty conscience since the Vietnam War era because I was one of those protests. I, I wasn't crazy, but I still thought, those veterans who killed other people were horrible people. I was naive, ignorant, stupid, but most importantly, Curtis, I was manipulated. I was in a prestigious New York City uh, university. I was a hard science major, and yet my professors still brainwashed us. And why does the left always aim at the young? Because they're stupid, and they're ignorant, and they're malleable. And they're vulnerable and they're gullible. And that's what happened to me. I thought, because I was a, a brought up as a Catholic, that if you killed someone, it was a mortal sin. So I conflated uh, uh, service people going to protect our country and killing foreigners as a mortal sin. And the left continues, Curtis, the left continues to manipulate. That's why we have Black Lives Matter. That's why we have all this crap in this country now. And I just want to say something personally, if you let me, Curtis. I want to personally apologize to Vietnam veterans because it breaks my heart to think that I fell for this crap. And I'm a smart person, Curtis. I'm a very thoughtful, smart person. But yet, if you look around, if you look around, it's always the young that the left aim at. Barack Obama aimed at the left. Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, not the left, but the young. They always aim at the young. That's why they're going after our school systems, our school children. Now, if I had a child in college age, I wouldn't send them to a university because they're propaganda centers, Curtis. Oh, there's, a, there's no there's there's no doubt. And one of the reasons that I let the callers talk is because that is what this show is about. The callers, you are the most important portion of the other side of midnight that I do on the weekends. And the more you have to say, the more that you're poignant and cogent and you strike a nerve, the longer you get to speak, because Guests come and they go. They have their preconceived answers. Politicians, forget it. They're the worst to talk to. But it's the people. And that's what this program is dedicated to, giving you all an opportunity of expressing yourself. Even if at times it causes other persons grief, the true expression of what America is all about, free speech here on WABC. It's what our owner-operator wants. And it's what I'm going to continue to give you every hour that I get to broadcast.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 